Hello and welcome to an Unexpected Podcast. My name is Tim. With me as always, I have Matt and Devin. On this week's episode, we have Rob coming back with us. Fortunately, Rainier and Mick couldn't make it this week. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the new Quest for the Ringbearer book that just came out. Uh, so my first question to you guys is, what do you guys think, initial thoughts on the book when it was coming out? Well, I have to say that one of the things uh, that I did not expect and I'm very excited for is the Fantasy Fellowship that mm-hmm. they threw in there. Uh, I'm not really sure why I'm excited for it other than like, I don't know, just the thought of creating my own fellowship is really cool. So that's something that I thought that it was great that Jay uh, put a lot of time into because I mean, it would have been very easy to just have the fantasy fellowship run around with um, the, the, the scenarios that he had in the book, which would have been fine, honestly, but then he reconstructed a whole new series of scenarios just for the fantasy fellowship and I, and I thought the way that he put it together was actually really cool so i i do applaud that i was like oh that's that was actually pretty neat i, I like that can you and pardon me because i've had the electronic version of this this these rules for about a half an hour before starting this podcast but can you actually use the fantasy fellowship at a tournament or is this no. just oh, okay <laughs> That would be fun. <laughs> that would be, wow, that sounds like a good tournament to run, though, right? Yeah, yeah that would be actually pretty. Well, so if you did it, you would have to, because you can like for a lot of the characters, you can kind of pick anyone, and so your points are going to be all over the place. And right. Well, but you're capped at 750 points total. Oh, are you? Yeah. yeah okay. So, I haven't read um, through it all. So the total cost of your fellowship may not exceed 750 points. So it kind of matches the original fellowship. Hmm. We so should run be, fantasy yeah. fellowship tournaments. We should. Yeah, you make it. A, you make it a good. What you do is you make it a good evil tournament. So you you bring an evil seven hundred fifty point army, and then you bring a fantasy fellowship, and then you, you know, you alternate between playing, you know, a, your fantasy yeah. fellowship, and then the op four, and then your fantasy fellowship, and then. How and cool would it be if Jay made scenarios just mm-hmm. for fantasy fellowship tournaments? <laughs> Well, Devin, if there's ever a Nova ever again, then uh, maybe that's something we should talk about. You know what? (laughs) This seems like a good idea for all of you on the podcast who actually go to Nova, who are listening to this channel. uh, Let me know if you want a fantasy fellowship tournament. I actually think I might do that. That that sounds really cool. Might be a good replacement for Deadliest Heroes. (laughs) There you go. I think that's great. All right, so we've discussed the most important part of the book. Well, Matt, you're actually an avid person in Nova. Was, would that appeal to you? Oh, fantasy? yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'd, awesome. definitely, I'd definitely bring that. I mean, who like, doesn't want to try to get a kill with one of the, the hobbits? I mean, that's always fun when you get, like, that one random kill with, like, Merry or Pippin. Yeah, or I Rosie. Mean, <laughs> there's plenty of hobbits to work with, too, no? Because yeah, like, I, I think are. you can swap Merry and Pippin for, like, any hobbit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. and one of the cool things I was reading, and again, I have not had this book for very long, is that you can actually, I believe, choose... Smeagol as your ring bearer. Yes, you can. Really kind of funny. Imagine <laughs> imagine Smeagol getting um, the Mithril shirt and sting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I might even like do the rounds like that where you actually like acquire stuff just like the fellowship. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'd have to figure it out, but I don't think you'd want to use like the normal scenarios. I think you definitely want like custom scenarios for these guys to make it more like thematic. And oh, absolutely. But, I mean, you could, you could take you could kind of use a subset of the normal scenarios. Cause obviously you don't want the ones that are going to be dominated by horde armies and things yeah. like that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah. you could probably, you know, kind of cull some scenarios out of there. That'd be fun. Or you could make up some that would be fun. That mm-hmm. would be good too. I mean, 
Wow. All right. That might be another podcast going into that in detail. (laughs) (laughs) The fantasy fellowship tournament. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I'm I'm definitely interested in thinking about that. So that's how this came to be. If anyone wondered how it started. You don't run it. I might. So (laughs) (laughs) actually, I think you should run it. Um, in another tournament, we'll test out the concepts, see if it's fun or if it's Excellent. all in <laughs> Always, always fun to do. Be the first to try something, right? Okay. Um, let's get on to the first Legendary Legion, uh, which is the Breaking of the Fellowship. So I'll move over to Devin for that. So what was the Breaking of the Fellowship Legion? All right. So... Um, just so I think everyone who knows who's um, following this podcast today, we're going to be talking about the six legendary legions plus the two profiles. So we're going to be focusing on that. We're not going to be uh, focusing on any of the scenarios or even the fantasy fellowship, uh, just strictly that and looking at it from how we think this impacts like a lot of tournament competitive play. Uh, so uh, what I'm going to do for anyone who doesn't have the book is I'm going to go ahead and read through this just real quick to say some uh, big points so it's going to, uh, the breaking of the fellowship is unique in the fact that it's a 600 point legion. So you can't go any higher than that. Uh, so you, you definitely reach great heights in my book. If you bring it to an 800 point tournament. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, Aragorn, uh, it, it's, it's the fellowship. All right. So it's, it's pretty much all the fellowship members, except a couple things. Everyone pretty much is stripped of all their options. Boromir can take a shield, which I think is interesting considering, at the breaking of the fellowship, he didn't have his shield. And it's actually one of the reasons he died. So I find it interesting that Jay included the option for a shield that might be for competitive purposes, but I'm not really sure. Or maybe to make it round out to a flat 600 points, which is probably more likely. Uh, then uh, Frodo comes with the Mithril Coat and Sting. By default, you can't take it off. Uh, otherwise, everyone is their bare form, just with no options. So Bare form? Yep, just no... List of Bjornings? (laughs) Yeah, list of Bjornings. Speaking of someone to put in your fantasy fellowship. There you go. (laughs) I just want to see the Peregrine Tuke bear form model. (laughs) Would still be a fool. Uh, So they get a bunch of... It's like Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) (laughs) So this fellowship does get a bunch of additional rules here. And uh, uh, says they uh, must always include Aragorn, who is always the army's leader. They always are deployed as a single warband, um, with Aragorn being the warband captain. And uh, all models in the force gain an elven cloak for free. So that's a little bit of a unique thing, which honestly, with a small warband like this, is actually useful. You probably will be using woodlands a little bit. Maybe. I mean, the whole fellowship slows down to a crawl with two-inch hobbits, but, you know. Potentially, depending on what you're in, I guess. Uh, they have the gifts of Galadriel. So this is going to be the longest part of this, which is Frodo has the Light of Irondale, which is um, each turn Frodo may use a single uh, free will point to attempt to cast the Blinding Light magical power. Uh, this is cast on a three up and cannot be channeled. Frodo cannot use this if he is wearing the ring. So... Just to note on this, I'm not really sure if you can use other will points in order to increase your chances of casting a spell. What do you guys think? Is that I, I read this and I think they were intending him not to be able to do that because that thought crossed my mind. And I mean, it says specifically he may use a single free will point to attempt okay. to cast. And I, I can say he can use his own will yeah. to do it. So I think it's basically he gets blinding light on a three up. Yeah, 
So, I mean, ultimately here, it looks like they intentionally wanted this to be a little finicky. So it's not like a very reliable um, blinding light, but it does replace the fact that Gandalf is gone here. So um, then you have Sam with an elven rope. Uh, Sam always counts as rolling a six for any climb, jump, and leap test that he has to make. So uh, I, it, it, this rule is interesting because from a competitive standpoint, I'm not sure really... 100% where it'll come into play. I imagine there's going to be a situation where normally you wouldn't have leapt over something, but um, I thought it would have been interesting because I think the elven rope in the books actually like burns Gollum, doesn't it? I forgot. It doesn't it do something like that. Well, it, it, it annoys Gollum. It annoys him. <laughs> it, I, I it, it doesn't die of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but hey, it, it's an interesting little rule he gets. Uh, Mary and Pippin have the daggers Noldren. Uh, they can reroll any failed to wound rolls in combat. Um, I guess that combined with the fact that they can use Boromir's might if you ever do that. <laughs> now it become more useful. Aragorn has the Elven Dagger, which uh, means he gains the Urukai Bane special rule. Uh, when he's using this dagger, I'm assuming, is when that comes into effect. You'll probably always be using this dagger because he doesn't have Anduril in this list. So therefore, this is your Elven Blade. Uh, how often Urukai Bane will come into play is pretty rare considering it's it's actually not the plus one to wound variant it's the d3 wounds uh is you cause d3 wounds every time you wound so it can't be used on normal infantry um <clears throat> uh, legless has the bow the galadrum uh which allows him when he's within three inches of a friendly model uh he can reroll failed to hit rolls when shooting uh, i think the balance of putting it within three inches of a friendly model makes it where Legolas can't sit back as the fellowship moves forward. So I thought that was great. Well, he just sits back with a random hobbit. Yeah, he does sit back with a random <laughs> Mary. Or, but see, it still looks like he's guarding one of the hobbits. Like, right. I see the, the, the thematic intention there. So, because you're right, everyone's going to take one of Mary or Pippin who's not going to do anything anyway and do that. But, I just um, wonder what the logic behind it is. Like, the other guy's acting as the spotter. I don't, I mean, oh, there's no logic. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> One of them has a compass that they're looking yeah, through. Yeah, that's right. Compass, they have that they're looking through. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just want to model him, like, sitting on Legolas's shoulder with a looking glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's a... Take the shot! Take the shot! <laughs> uh, if you go about four degrees west and uh, two degrees north... Um, so Boromir has a, oh, I'm sorry, Gimli. <clears throat> Gimli can re-roll uh, all dice in a dual roll. Uh, you can only use this three times a game. This is because he has uh, three pieces of Galadriel's hair. Uh, I thought this was pretty thematic. And I think that's actually a pretty good rule, to be honest. Um, I, there's a lot of times you botch a roll and you really need to re-roll the whole thing. Uh, Boromir, woodland creature. He gains that because he has a golden belt. Remember the golden belt in the book? I don't know what it did, so maybe that's fitting. <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody remembers what Boromir got, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and and that remains that will remain true for this list as well. <laughs> yeah, right. I think no one will remember it here. <laughs> Boromir <laughs> just got some bling. That's really all it was, right? <laughs> People will walk through the woods and they'll still move at half speed and be like, "I don't remember what this." Which, did. which I don't know how a shiny golden belt makes you stealthier in woods, but you know, magic. <laughs> Smash cut to uh, Galadriel and Celeborn going, oh, wait a minute. There's another one in this fellowship. What are we going to give that guy? Well, we got this belt that we've never used. <laughs> Galadriel saw the future and knew he was going to die anyway. They were like, just give him the belt. Like <laughs> This guy's totally going to take the ring. Let's give him a belt that makes him easier to see for Uruk-hai. <laughs> 
So um, then you have the Blessing of the Galadriel. So once again, there's a lot of special rules in this Legion, but the Blessing of the Galadriel uh, friendly models always count as having the Fortify Spirit magical power cast upon them. Uh, this is always in effect, even if their will has been reduced to zero. This is probably the most potent special rule in here. And obviously eliminates the shutdown well not eliminates but highly reduce the shutdown from enemy magic which in this legion is going to be definitely a thing yeah it um, makes this makes boromir playable yeah exactly and i think i mean legolas not legolas sorry aragorn and gimli uh not being targets of spells as well is like awesome so i think um the they have two more special rules. So another one is the Bond of Fellowship. Models from this legendary legion uh, cannot, I'm sorry, count as being in a range of a banner if there's another friendly model in three inches. So standard banner rules, but everyone's got it. Uh, and I think that's an awesome addition to this. And then um, you have my sword, which is the rule they always had, which is uh, essentially as long as Frodo is alive and on the table or escapes in scenarios where that applies, which is a crucial addition. All models from this legendary legion gain the fearless special rule, and uh, they will never count as broken while he's on the table, uh, which is also a huge rule. So, yeah, I mean, anyone have any comments on this legion? I'm looking to try this this legion. This looks like a lot of fun. In an 800-point yeah. tournament? Uh... <laughs> I actually um, I love this Legion I think it's narratively really cool and I think it's got a lot of neat tricks that can kind of push your skill level I plan to bring it um, to a 400 point tournament and just you know there you go. yeah that, that is well I mean that is one of the interesting things about this is how do you scale this down right to, yeah. to lower point lists like I think it's what easy. Do you, what do you do to make it like a 500 point list? Le uh, Legless and Gimli are fat, flat, and Boromir are flat 100 points. Yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think but, it's very yeah, easy to But the down. question is, you know, do you drop one of them or do you drop, say, Frodo, Mary, and Peregrine? Wait. Oh, you can drop Frodo. Yeah, yeah he's, he's not mandatory in this league. Oh, he's not mandatory. I mean, oh, you, lose, you lose the bonus rule. Yeah, you do. Which light. is actually a pretty but big rule, to be honest. You also lose yeah. fearless um, if it matters to you. Yeah. No, actually, that's the one I was doesn't. thinking of. Yeah. Like, the, well, not the fearless, yes, is important uh, in the sense of maybe the hobbits or whatever, if you want to tag something. But realistically, right. I think it's the never being considered broken yeah. rule <laughs> that right. is probably crucial. But, you know, the question is, you know, is. Are Frodo, Merry, and Pippin worth Boromir? Uh, okay. Yeah. Or are Frodo, Merry, and Pippin worth Gimli or Legolas? Frodo is 80. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah I guess you drop all the hobbits. Well, I mean, it, it, it's not, it's not clear what the answer to that question is. I mean, especially if, you know, Rangers of Athelion are going to be wandering around. I mean, if, um, if you took Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, Boromir with Shield, and Sam, that's 500 points. Yeah. So, so I mean, maybe maybe you do that at five hundred, but at four hundred, you know, it becomes a little bit more awkward. And then also at you know, let's say four fifty. Well, you can't just do Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, and Boromir because you'll be either five or ten points over with Boromir. I think. All right. So from an American perspective, I know in the UK six hundred points are caught, uh, much more common, and I think they go lower. America, I rarely see a tournament go lower than 600. I think 600 yeah. is like the minimum I've ever seen it. So, yeah, but I mean, you know, 
even just for like a friendly game, we're going to get yeah. together tomorrow night. We're going to play 500 points. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, it, it's an interesting thought experiment to see how you engineer this to a smaller points limit. I do think probably the smartest option is just to eliminate the hobbits, which can be targeted for breaking, uh, like to break your legion. And I get it. Frodo helps prevent you from breaking, but you know, I, I think it's still the smartest option and to just eliminate them. If you were to go down to 500 and just keep all the big hitters. Yeah. So, though on the other hand with Frodo um, and Sam in there, you get the ring effect and free heroic combats for all your hitters. Well, so the ring actually, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You actually, the one ring is huge. So like having an Aragorn with a ring bearer um, in a fight and then Sam to call a combat for him is yeah. nothing, right? Yeah. I, mean, I can't believe I'm saying this because he's, clearly my character in the movies and game i might just drop boromir yeah i think boromir is the one that goes if you have to pick one of the four heavy hitters boromir is the one that goes first yeah. really not gimli yeah not now that he has the three re-roll everything's mm -hmm. no it's not gimli I mean, yeah he's he, also one of your few sources of um bonuses to wound so mm -hmm. oh, yeah true and um even even and, and his defense um, eight yeah exactly yeah so, so he's survival yeah yeah i, I will I mean, say that the fortify spirit on everyone is probably the most massive role, like you said, in the Legion. So yeah, mirror becomes a hell of a lot more viable, but even then I think the other ones also get the fortify spirit and they're just better at 500. Yeah. Okay. Beginley's big problem was at least for me is, you know, every once in a while he'd go in and he, he'd just fluff. And because he's only got the two wounds, he's got is two wounds, two fate. Is that right? I know he's got two wounds. I can't remember if he's got two um, fate or three yes. fate. Yes, I think he has two wounds, two fate, yep. Yeah, and then, you know, he'd, he'd go down. Um, but now that you can kind of re-roll all his dice three times, that really kind of solves mm -hmm. that. I mean, it, it it's really hard for you to botch, botch with him now. Mm -hmm. All right, well, I mean, I think ultimately, for if you're going into a competitive, like, this is definitely a theme list. Uh, this is, like, not what you go to try to win Articon. So, um reasonably i think i was planning to go and win articon with this you know what matt knowing your list you brought to articon <laughs> i don't doubt that <laughs> you would win some american tournaments with this and be like you know what maybe <laughs> it did work <laughs> oh really guys it could work <laughs> okay uh we're gonna move on to the next legion which is the rangers of Athelion. so i'm gonna move that over to rob Okay, so the Rangers of Athelion. This is a legion that most of you should already know because it is essentially broadly a reprint from the Gondor at War. So just to refresh you, um, you can take Faramir, Madrill, Damrod, Frodo, Samwise, and Smeagol, and then Captains of Minas Tirith, Eskilith veterans, Warriors of Minas Tirith, and Rangers of Gondor with all of the associated gear. Um, Rangers gain woodland creature, and they don't count for bow limit within um, Ranger Warbands with some of the Ranger heroes. And then Frodo, Sam, and Smeagol can be deployed together or in Faramir's Warband. Now, the big change is, is that this, uh, this version of the Legion in this book actually added two new profiles, which are also Ranger heroes, and therefore do also count for the no bow limit for Rangers if they are leading them. Um, so really, there's not a lot to talk about the Legion itself because everybody's talked about this to death, but I will go over the new profiles because I think they do um, add something completely new. So we have first uh, Anborn, Ranger of Athelion. 
He is a pretty standard um, minor hero stat line. So fight four, defense five, one attack, one wound, one, one, one. He comes with an armor, sword, and bow and heroic accuracy like most uh, shooty characters do. He has woodland creature. And his new special rule is lethal aim, which is each turn he can spend a single point of might without reducing his store to modify either to hit roll, a in the way roll, or a to wound roll when shooting with his bow. So that's a lot like uh, that one hunter or character. What's his name? Narzuk, I think. Uh, Narzuk. Narzuk. Yeah. Um, so that's a very interesting. Um, he is 35 points. So a cheaper hero with some cool special rules. And then the yeah. second character is Mablung, uh, who finally makes it into the game. He was a huge part of the book. Uh, didn't appear in the movie. He was essentially replaced in some ways by Madrill in the movie. And he is also a minor hero, also 35 points, also has the standard minor hero stat line, fight four, strength four, D5, one attack, one wound, one, 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 armor, sword, and bow, heroic accuracy, and woodland creature. And his special rule is also very interesting. It's called bird calls. Uh, and it means that Mablung and any rangers of Gondor within six inches of him, including the heroes, Faramir, Madrill, Damrod, and Anborn, gain the stock unseen special rule. So essentially he gives them elven cloaks. And additionally, Enemy models targeted by a shooting attack from Mablung or any rangers of Gondor within six inches of him, including Faramir, Madril, Damrod, and Anborn, do not benefit from stock unseen. So he gives you an elven cloak and denies it to your opponent, which is actually kind of a neat little little trick. So a before we go on, in. Mm -hmm. the question on how that rule works, because um, I've been kind of trying to puzzle this out. Not, I'm not sure I've got it yet. So in order to, I, I get how he gives the stock unseen rule to everybody within six inches. That's clear. So as far as negating other people's stock unseen rule, mm -hmm. does it mean, that, it, 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 as I understand it, it means you have to have somebody in his warband within six inches, or I'm sorry, somebody within six inches of him, within six inches of the target with, with stock unseen so that they can see no. it. No. Once no. they can see it, everybody else can see well, it. Not within six inches of the target. Can you reread that, Rob? Yeah, so specifically, it's additionally, enemy models targeted by a shooting attack from Moblung or any rangers of Gondor within six inches of him do not benefit from the stock unseen special role for the duration of that shooting attack. So basically, anyone with Moblung and any ranger within six inches of Moblung uh, negates stock unseen without themselves having to be within six inches of the target or anything like that. All yeah. right. So that may have been the intent. That's not what they wrote, right? Well, they said enemy models targeted. Are targeted, but you can't yeah. target somebody unless you can see it. So uh. <laughs> somebody has to see it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, which, which actually okay. tracks with Jay's explanation on the Warhammer community side of how this rule is supposed to work, which is, like somebody sees the guy and then he does the bird call to say he's over, you know, tweet, tweet, tweet. He's over mm -hmm. there. And then everybody else can, can see him. So and you're, target. so I see what you're saying from a wording perspective, you're correct. And so, but let, let's assume you're right. Let's assume that's the way that it was intended. Are you arguing that the way this rule is supposed to work is you have one of your own models within six inches of them and so you have one. You have a guy who's within six inches of of Marlo, Marlung, yeah. and he gets he gets basically he gets line of sight on a stock unseen guy because he gets within six inches. 
at that point, that stock on scene guy is negated for every everybody else within six inches of. So that means the rule yeah. would only work within like this tiny eight inch. You send out your scouts, you find the guy, and once the scout finds the guy, everybody else can see. So it, the way I see this is I, I don't dispute that from a like rules as written perspective, you could reach that conclusion. I think the intention is that it's just a bubble of six to negate. And the reason I think that is because it's kind of like the Moria army bonus, where technically it's a, it doesn't ever work because it keys off of trapped but you only check for trapped after a fight has already happened. So they yeah. would actually get their bonus. So I think it's one of those where they meant to work it a very different way than it actually works in game. Right. Or I, I mean, uh, and by possible. the way, I, I thought that's what they intended to until I heard Jay explain it on Warhammer community and the way he explained it, it was like, Oh, wait a minute. Maybe they did actually yeah. mean what they said. This is um, also going to be similar to in the, and in fact, this might still be in effect in the current edition of the rules. When you have a one-on-one -on -one fight, you back directly away. Like, but everyone backs in, in any direction because you only actually do that in multiple man fights. But like in 1v1, you must back directly away. But so, but literally... I, I, thought, they, I thought they changed that. I think they changed the it. But I know yeah. in the old edition, that was the right. case. And no one played it that way. We all played it by the intention. This is an interesting problem that mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings has kind of always had. Um... Not that it's a good thing, by the way, but but yeah, it seems like I think the way we're saying it, me and Rob, is the way they wanted it to play. Mm -hmm. But you're a hundred percent correct, Matt. It doesn't work that way if you yeah. analyze it by the rules, which makes it very frustrating because it's like, okay, when do you go by the spirit of intention, and when do you go by rules right. as written? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, this you... is the well. This is this is the whole using. Um, uh, uh, Shadow Fax's will to cast spells thing. Yeah. Where, <laughs> yeah. If you if if you actually read the rule about what a model is supposed to be, you can use his will to do that. But, <laughs> yeah, the, but anyway, it, I mean, you guys you guys may be right, but um, well, certainly it's good to bring up because yeah. it should be clarified in a. Um, it probably needs to be FAQ, right? Yeah. So, Speaking of which, did they ever clarify the Moria bonus in an FAQ? No, they never bothered. Like they so just like everyone will just know how it works. <laughs> Technically, you should never get your Moria bonus. <laughs> and I'll argue that at Warhammer World one day. I'm like, well, I'm not trapped. I haven't lost the fight yet. Yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> I will do that if I have. If it's how much is on the line? No. <laughs> Adam Troke will walk over and be like, "Really, Devin?" <laughs> yeah, he might actually hit you. <laughs> so, I mean, going off the Legion itself. I mean, I think we. Yeah, this has been talked yeah. about. We all know the province of this legion. This is one of those legions that clearly the rules writers felt it must exist because there's an, a, a cry for it. There's like, hey, I want this legion to exist. And this is almost one of those legions where like, you have to dramatically alter the way the game plays at range or like the way bows work or the way they work or something in a more like this fun to play. Because yeah. it's not fun to play according to most of the community. And, and then, you know, having heard the response from the community to this list, they decided, you know what this list needs? More rangers. <laughs> so let's give them two more heroes to get 12 more rangers more into guns. this list. Yeah, exactly. So um, for anybody who hasn't done the math, with the addition of the two minor heroes, you can now have 45 models ignoring bow limit in your army. Which is depressing. <laughs> 
<laughs> Here's the thing: like, I love this Legion thematically. I love the Rangers of Gondor. I um, I think that any army that forces you to take Faramir, who is otherwise useless, is cool. But yeah, I think that especially at lower points, this is going to be a fairly negative experience for some armies that aren't prepared to handle it. Um, I also feel really bad for Damrod because he's like the oldest profile and he's been completely replaced in any functional use. Yeah. Army, right. But, but yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I have to say, Anborn and, and Madlung are, are definitely, this was kind of a tone deaf move by Games Workshop here. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is, this is, I don't know what the internal discussion was, but this is very clearly like them trying to satisfy a, a desire of the audience without really making the changes needed. Like, I, it, this is one where, like, you have to do something super creative, like, I don't know, ambush half the Legion so that way, you know, you can go up to them and, you know, only be shot by half the Legion's shots. And you know, the or other make the bullet at 50% rather than 100%. Yeah, or 50%. Yeah, like that. Well, no, they couldn't do that because everyone's armed with a bow and they've always said if it's armed with a bow. Well, so you're saying that you, you should force the requirement of the civilian veterans in the other half of the Legion. I mean, I'm not saying that because that would really suck, but I'm saying that's one way to balance the shooting. Yeah, I mean, there, there's another way to I do it too, and you could you could make Frodo you could make Frodo, Sam, and Smeagol mandatory in this Legion. Agreed. And I imagine, same to the point, they wanted to allow you to play this Legion as it was throughout time, which is kind of a weird argument because I think this is supposed to represent very specifically the time where Frodo and Sam, which. By the arguments of a legion, it's supposed to be like a scene in time, right? Like a snapshot in history. So therefore, you're right. Like Frodo. Well, technically, I think the Rangers of Athelion were operating before Frodo, Sam, and Smeagol got there. So they made it kind of like you could do when they were just operating in the area fighting the Haradrim, or yeah. when they finally encountered the you know the three travelers. But but I agree that for balance purposes, making them mandatory would have been better. Or make the whole legion forced to always operate with males from a battle rules at all times. Sure, that would be great. <laughs> Regardless of scenario, they are always now, males from a battle Now, one question I, I well, would actually, ask. That, that would be really great if you were playing these guys and say reconnoiter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or seize the camp. <laughs> Huzzah! I'm already now, here. One thing I would yeah. ask you guys, um, because, I mean, we could talk about the Rangers of Athelion forever and, you know, come to the same conclusions. How about these two new characters in a non-Rangers of Athelion army? Like, what use would you see for them in just a Gondor army? Because they can obviously just be taken as Gondor models. Yeah, that's I a think good question. I think Anborn's a good guy to take in a Gondor list. The one yes. who gets plus one to shooting? Yeah. Yeah. To, like, pick off horses and stuff, maybe? Oh, 100%. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, throw him in with a half dozen Rangers, and he's, like, your yeah. shooting force. I think Mablong is not going to see as much play. Um, Stalk and Scene has been relegated. Now that you can't use models to hide behind mm -hmm. the usefulness of it, 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 like between him and all the other Gondor heroes you can pick for similar mm -hmm. point costs, he's going to lose out most of the time, I think. Um, so yeah, he, he's Stalk and Scene. Uh, yeah, definitely. Stalk and Scene is one of those rules that either matters completely none at all. Or is the most important rule in the game. I remember at one of the Fords tournaments, actually, I ran into a Rangers of Mirkwood army, um, and the board was literally like a Normandy-style hedgerow board for a board game. And I was like, I can't see anything the whole game. <laughs> so, 
you're right. In, yeah. in tournaments where terrain is ridiculous. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> what is this? Like, I'm literally, like, assaulting Normandy. This is Market Garden. And I don't mean to insult and say ridiculous. I shouldn't say that. Where terrain is plethora, like, a, a plethora of it, because it, um, yeah. there are some uh, tournaments, actually, Matt's tournament, uh, Shadow in the East. Yeah, there's lots of terrain. Is, there's lots of terrain. You just know when you go there, you're going to play. Yeah. So in that case, Mablung now becomes a pick. Like he actually is like, but, but all that said, I agree with you that he's still like the last on my list. Right. I would, I would take all the other ones because the potential that one game you might run into stock unseen versus knowing that Anborn is useful in every game. You always take him first. Uh, the, other advantage, the, other advantage to him, the other advantage to him is as an objective holder. Mm-hmm. Like you have, you have him and his, you know, he's the guy that can sit back in a terrain piece on an objective mm-hmm. and just kind of shoot with impunity from that terrain piece for a while from the backfield. Yeah. I, I just, use. I, I think I still take him last, but I, you know, yeah. have use. I have a hard time justifying him over, even like just spending the extra 20 points for like Madrill and mm-hmm. someone who's doing something like useful only in certain yeah. scenarios still, but like now. Well, like, yeah. I mean, in, in this list, Faramir is a given, Madrill is a given, then you're like, all right, so which of these three other guys do I take? And you probably take Anborn next. And then, I, I don't know, I, I, I guess I, I I would debate whether to take I think I take uh, Mablug or Dam. I, mean, I think basically 10 points Dam- less. Maybe. Yeah, but I mean, that's, that's one more Ranger, right? Yeah. Um, and maybe it's worth having or ten one, spears. one less yeah. Ranger to have a guy with... Uh, an elven cloak, and then you know six other guys near him with an elven cloak. Though it, honestly, at that point, I might also just start considering just the regular captain of Midgard on a horse with a lance to have some cavalry in there. Um, and you still get rangers in that warband; it's just only a third of it, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> if Mablong did something like, you know, which I love his rule, I think it's great, but like if he allowed in his warband, you can take a hundred percent rangers or something, which I don't know why that would be thematic, but. You know, if you could have something like that, maybe, uh, like all the, the rangers in his warband didn't count, which he only leads six, so it's not like crazy. Mm-hmm. But then I can see more use for him. But I mean, the bird calls rule, though, I mean, we're just talking about it from competitive aspects. So, you know, anyone listening to this, don't confuse it as we don't like the rule. I, I actually think all of us here think the rule oh, is 100%. Like I said, thematically speaking and narratively speaking, I love the two new profiles, and I love as a Gondor person to finally have these personalities in the game, right? Yeah. That they were huge in the books. So, so, uh, all right, uh, we'll move on to the next one, which is Lurtz's scouts. So I'll move over to Matt for that one. All right, so Lurtz's scouts. So this list represents the 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 scouts that attacked Amonhen, and this is the other side to the breaking of the Fellowship, Legendary Legion. So in this, you get Lurts with Shield, you get Ugluk, you get Maher, uh, who famously in the book was not there, but is there in the list. Urukai Scout Captains, with all their uh, bells and whistles you can get for them, an Urukai Drummer, an Urukai, and then Urukai Scouts are your soul troops, and you can get one with a banner, and then they have their uh, various uh, war gear options. There appears to be a misprint under shield. It says shield point. I assume that's one point. So it's a it's a standard loadout for the Earth Guide Scouts. So the additional rules, Lurtz has to be the leader, no big surprise there. And then the special rules, they have Relentless March, which is, I believe, the same rule that's in the Ugluk Scout list 
If your army includes Maher, who shouldn't be there, then Antarctic scouts in your force may be upgraded to Maher's Marauders rather than just the ones in Maher's Warband. Upgrade is free rather than cost of one point per model, so it's the free upgrade to eight inches of move. In additionally, alerts, Ugluck, Urkai Scout Captains, Urkai Drummers increase their movement value to eight inches. So as long as you take Maher, which you're always going to do in this list, everything you have in the list starts to move eight inches. Um, and then you can take a drummer and stack an additional three inches and move on that. Additionally, you also get the Will and Creature special rule. Second special rule, a worthy foe. Alerts may declare a heroic challenge against any hero model, regardless of heroic tier, the rule everyone's been waiting for. Additionally, if Lurch <laughs> declares a heroic challenge and the, and the targeted hero declines, then Lurch regains the might point spent during the declaring of the heroic challenge. No doubt there will be a lot of discussion about this special rule, but yeah. let me go to the next one, which is shield throw. Once per game, Lurch can choose to throw his shield as a throwing weapon. This is strength four, and any man size or smaller model hit by the shield is automatically knocked prone. Once Lurch has thrown a shield, he no longer carries it and cannot use it for the remainder of the battle. Note, even though he no longer has his shield, Lurch's defense will not be reduced because he also has the bow, so his shield doesn't count for anything except yeah. having the ability to shield. Yeah. So this is the list that the Uglet Scouts list should have been because it, it has Lurch, another killy hero, and it is all scouts. I mean, we all know the problem with the, the Ugluck scouts. They get slowed down by the orcs. Yes, mm -hmm. is yeah. you have the scouts that move 11 inches and then the orcs that move 6 inches. So the way the game usually plays out is half of your army shows up early on in the battle, gets slaughtered by the entirety <laughs> of the other, other guy's <laughs> army, and then the other half of your army shows up two to three, two to three turns later and then gets slaughtered by... <laughs> the uh, the army that's left behind. And this list does not have that. The entire list can move 11 inches and get where you need it to be. But obviously with the other lists, it had to be thematic to the movies and they had to work. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I actually think this is what Maher Scouts wanted to be in some various ways. Maher Scouts, we're not going to go into too much of that, but basically have the animosity rule, right? And you could just keep on pace with the orcs and march the Urukai around once you get there. But regardless of that, this is actually a fast legion that, you know, I don't want to, yeah, 11 inches is, I mean, obviously faster than cavalry, which doesn't need to be said, but like, I, I imagine you can hit a flank just like cavalry do and try to, you know, get a lot of combats in before the other half of your opponent's army even has a chance to react. Um, I think I agree also with your assessment. Maher shouldn't be here. I don't think he's actually necessary in the list. Does he have a work strike? Oh no, he's necessary in the list because you don't get the you don't get relentless march without it. Yeah, but it's a legion. Just say is just just take that line. Oh, of, call him call him man here or something like no, that. No, what I mean is, <laughs> but the, the, it's it's just you don't. Homer. It's a legion. You just rewrite the rule. Just say, hey, this legion gets this. You don't oh, yeah. need it. Like, it's just a legion. Just make your own stuff up now. Yeah, <laughs> like, but, but they didn't, so he has to be here. Yeah, he has <laughs> to be here now. So now you have to bring Mar. Um, but does he have so to this, this is this is the alternate this is the alternate history version of the list in which Maher was not late. Yeah, this is the snapshot in history of an alternate history. Yeah. <laughs> so, but from a competitive standpoint. Do I like the Legion? Um, I haven't mathed it out as far as how many Urukai I can get. 
Um, I think the addition of Maher and Uglik are important mostly because of the heroics they bring. I believe Uglik is your only other character with Strike. Am I right on that? Yes. Uh, I can look it up, but I believe you're right. Yeah, yeah. Maher does not have Ma it. Maher does not have it. Okay, Maher so, has three attacks, but no Strike, I believe. Which the three attacks will be useful, but realistically, the reason you're bringing Maher is to get the bonus. Because if you don't bring him, all oh. you're getting is Lurtz's worthy foe rule, which... I will go ahead and talk about now. Should you well, ever? Well, Maher, Maher also does bring another source of march, which can stack with the drum for fourteen. Yeah. Moving do do you do that though? Do, do, you, do you march to go to fourteen inches? Or you oh, just I, I I might actually entertain doing that. A few on, times. On, on turn one to close, you yeah. might do that. Yeah, um, because I mean the question. drum costs you nothing, and you know yeah. what are you using Maher's might on besides moves and marches? So mm -hmm. Lertz's rule that allows him to show up anywhere he wants on Maelstrom of Battle. That that's. That's in his profile, right? So that yeah, comes with him in his the profile. list. All right. Yeah. yeah, and that—that's a. I mean, that's another big ad for this. Oh yeah. Is the ability to have eight-inch guys in Maelstrom of Battle to show up wherever you want them to. Yeah. Um, he also famously has the best heroic in the game, heroic actions, which for one might do all of them at once. All the heroic actions. <laughs> um, I. I to, to speak on the competitive play, I mean, you have a fight for a legion that can't support itself. This is it's it's weird. I mean, to theorize this, I think that you definitely have to hit only one portion of your opponent's army. Like if you go head to head with them and just literally use your fourteen inch movement just to close the gap and then just start swinging at them, like I think you'll just die. Mm -hmm. I think you'll fall apart fast because I mean you have no spear supports. A banner is probably going to be essential in this list. I think you need more than one banner, honestly, to cover. Your yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's a good argument. Like, you would need probably more than one banner. Well, and one thing that um, I know a lot of people have done before, but is a good idea, is to use the Urux carrying Mary and Pippin if you have them as banners, right? So you can spread yeah. them through your list. But actually, that's actually pretty neat. I like that idea. So, um, I, so I think that Urukai bows. Do you bring them? That's that's yes. exactly what's yes. about. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. yes, I so, do. I mean, I think that's especially since you can have. You know, have them moving six and a half inches and still shooting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Three, yeah. Right? That's a good. That's a good point. With the march, how much can you shoot with if you? Oh well. I if guess, you march, you can move seven. If you don't march, you can go five and a half, because that'll be eleven inches. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm doing my yeah. math wrong. Yeah. Five and a half inches and still. So shooting, you can almost so. move full distance and still shoot. Yeah, I mean, but moving seven inches and shooting strength three bows at full is still pretty fun, right? Now, correct me yes. if I'm wrong. I'm not. Urukai bows are only 18 inches, correct? They're only 18 inches. But, okay. you know, you're going to be moving five and a half inches forward to shoot them. So you yeah, probably they are strength three, inches. correct? They are strength three. Yeah. So, so I, I think, yeah, I think they're And they're, they're shoot four, so you're hitting on fives if you're moving. So. so you can't abuse it too much, but what you can, you can definitely abuse the move and shoot shenanigans, like to move back, mm -hmm. shoot, move back, shoot. If your opponent does not have any bows and can't outshoot you and they're moving towards you, oh man, you could play that game for a while that would be pretty boring for your opponent <laughs> you could do well it. and you can also use it to shoot into combats to try and earn yeah. in the way that's true you can also just move supports. forward shoot move forward shoot, yeah move mm -hmm. forward shoot so then i guess we're all in agreeance 33 percent bows you definitely probably want that yeah mm -hmm. um, i think so should, everyone should else should we talk about the elephant in the room yeah let's go okay, ahead. can Why we uh, address shield throw real quick 
Oh, sure. That's well, not the right. elephant. Well, Go ahead. It's not the elephant, but uh, <laughs> no, shield but, uh, throw is the most powerful throwing weapon in the game now. Go ahead. <laughs> I think it's actually really cool that you can use this to dehorse heroes, right? Because yeah, says no, no, you can't. You no, can't. no, no, no. Man sized. Man -sized. You cannot use it to dehorse. Somewhere I know they rule that you can't. You can't use man sized model in there. Yeah, uh, no, a, a man on a horse is not a man sized model. I'm pretty sure that's mm -hmm. been determined mm -hmm. at some point. Yeah, I think it's actually in the rule book. It defines what it is, and it actually does. It's not cavalry. I'm pretty okay. sure. Never mind. Um, then it's just fun. Go on. Yeah, it's just a fun rule. <laughs> you can knock someone over if it happens. Like it, it, that, that is a pretty big I don't think deal. anyone's saying it's bad. Like, how often are you really shielding with alerts anyway? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a great rule. I think it's thematic, mm -hmm. and it's useful. Uh, it well, is just... You know, it's a thing that's Well, it there. only has to hit to knock prone. It doesn't have to wound. So you could use it. Is it a thrown weapon? It is. So you can use it as part of a charge against a hero, right? Yeah. And you can't, you can't beat can't throw it on the way in. So, so maybe what you do is you throw it in, let's say, against a big hero. You knock, let's say, your Aragorn down. And then maybe you call a heroic combat with Ugluck. You get Ugluck in on that battle. Heroic strike alerts. Then you've got Ugluck and yeah. um, alerts trying to kill them all in one go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean... It, the usefulness of it is obvious. I think anyone yeah. playing this role will know exactly how to use it. I don't think there's any gimmicks here or anything to find. I don't think there's anything special about it. It is literally a... It's a it's a hero-killing weapon. I think the only time I would think it's interestingly... It, like, variables, like, let's say you have... I don't know if you'd ever want to throw this into a combat. Would you throw it at a banner? Like, Try to kill the banner, because it gets knocked... Not kill oh, the banner, just turn it off, right? You're turning off the banner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if you have the opportunity to do it, be, oh, no, even more important than that, the banner can't be passed while it's on the ground. That's what I'm saying. You, you throw it at the yeah. banner. Yeah, so throw, throw it at the, the banner. banner. It's, if, if it's hit, they're automatically knocked prone. Then you do a strength four hit yep. to them. So and maybe they can't pass it. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's a great... So this is a great banner-killing weapon to prevent mm -hmm. it from being passed around. That's a good point. Good, good shout on that, Tim. I, I like mm -hmm. that. So, all right. So the elephant in the room has, has Games Workshop succeeded in its quest to convince somebody at some point somewhere to call a heroic challenge. Oh my God! No, I still don't <laughs> think so. Me, you know what? <laughs> Me and Rob called a heroic challenge Articon doubles one time, and we we just didn't call it. We got it called on us, and we were we accepted. That's stupid. right. We, we accepted. accepted it. It was, we were like, why not? It's a doubles. We, yeah, we, we were having fun. It was Aragorn on Aragorn, and we're like, ah, how bad could it be? But Why it was did we such do a that? bad idea. It like, <laughs> it like basically was a reason we lost the game, I feel. No, we ended up winning the game, but like, well, we would have yeah, won it better if we hadn't been dumb. Oh, yeah, that's right. We, yeah, so I'm just like, it, this rule is so... I mean, for anyone who has, doesn't know why Heroic Challenge is bad, just, I mean, the ability to turn off heroics and stand fast is, is great but usually if you're accepting this challenge it, you're probably going to be on the losing end in which case you're just giving the opponent three might or d3 might and then you can't call a heroic strike so if you if you shout the heroic challenge the other person calls a heroic strike and then they just kill you I mean, is there any other reasons you guys know of that this thing is just never used? Like, I'm trying to think off the top of my head here. So I'm wondering when you would use this. And <sighs> I, I guess I'm thinking there's, there's two situations where you may want to use it. And that one is against a hero that's like, you know, that is going to try and conserve their might for other purposes 
um, but but may not kill lurts in a single turn. Mm -hmm. So like if you go in against you know so something like a something like a Balin, right? Where he's got three might. There aren't a lot of might in that list to begin with. He's probably yeah you know, he he's gonna he's gonna out uh, duel lurts anyway. So he's not gonna be calling a heroic strike against you. Um, and you're probably not going to take him down in one turn anyway. So go in and you, you call it and you prevent, you, you know, you could probably survive a turn against uh, Balin and Balin. Then call, the, call the strike the next turn. Uh, and then Balin loses his ability to call heroic moves afterwards. So, I mean, that's, I think, one situation. You might call it against, against heroes. Uh, I'm sorry, against um, captains just to see if you can get, I mean, so if you go into a captain that has two might left, he's not going to be striking against you anyway. You're going to outstrike him. Yeah. Uh, there really isn't a downside at that point to calling a heroic challenge because if he accepts it, you're going to get the might when you kill him. And if he declines it, he can't use the might to call a heroic move and influence any of his buddies to help get him out of his mess. I guess it also shuts off um, marches for those kinds of characters. And so yeah, it shuts off marches. Out, you know, oh, right. Lie them. Which, no, by the time you're in combat, who cares about the march anyway? Well, I well, guess the end game. I mean, yeah, we're really digging here, Devin. But, or or yeah. if he's going to do a disengage. I mean, the other thing is if he's going to try and do a disengage and call a heroic move and get the battle line away or whatever. Yeah. But there, I mean, th there are some circumstances, I guess, where there's really no downside to calling the heroic mm -hmm. challenge against the lower tier heroes. So you may as well do it. And it may be that the other guy is in a tactical situation where he feels that he has to accept it, or he may just make a mistake and accept it, in which case you're just feeding more might points to alerts. Well, yeah. there's also, um, there's probably some rare synergies with the shield throw where you could go in on a hero, knock them prone. And then they're essentially, as long as you keep winning that fight, you're, you know, constantly beating on a prone hero. Right? That, so maybe, maybe that is the answer. You, yeah. yeah, actually, I like that kind of synergy there. You, if because you could even do that now against like the Balin example, or yeah, or, or an, I mean, you could do it against Aragorn or something. Yeah, like that, yeah. knock him down. If you knock him down, then yeah, you know, your first turn's free, and then you can call the heroic strike the next turn against him. Mm -hmm. Does the heroic challenge penalty when you deny end when Lurtz dies? Yes, that's unfortunate because. I was thinking, like, if it didn't end, then Aragorn could get up and be like, yeah, I'll just deny it anyway and just kill Lurtz. I guess, why would he deny it? Yeah, I guess you would do it against a prone model. That would be probably the one scenario. Plus your captain example. Mm -hmm. If you can't kill the captain, let's say it's a dwarf captain or, you know. Like, like, yeah, I, I think that, that you're right. Like, you can usually use it against captains because there's no downside. And if you're going to use it against a mid-tier or even higher-tier named hero, you do it because you set up a synergy with the shield throw to make the opponent make some bad choices, basically. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to form one last question and we'll move on. Um, does it not just make sense to just use it ex like almost every time you're against a smaller hero, then you're just denying all heroic moves, and then the characters that you stay away from are your Balins and your Aragorns because then they have to use their might for heroic moves? So then you're forcing the big heroes to use might for moves. So, yeah, I think against heroes. against lower lower ranked heroes, I think there is seldom a basically heroes that don't have heroic strike 
I think, and, and have a fight value of five or less, I don't think that there is a downside to calling that free heroic challenge and just kind of seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is ironic considering the rule is named a worthy foe. Yeah. Although yeah. I, I guess <laughs> it, it is going to depend on the tactical situation because you don't want to call it if it's Lurts and three other Urukai against one yeah. captain because if you call the heroic challenge, those three other Urukai become irrelevant. But you also uh, don't want to do it in that situation because the combat is just going to be better anyway. Yeah. Do anything. Well, well, I, I mean. The reason, the reason that you call it is because you want to get, you want to have him accept, then kill the guy, then get the might point back at the end. But isn't the might point back D3 so you could theoretically just get nothing? You, no, one. I mean, you never get nothing because D3 is yeah. one. Well, that's what you I mean, like nothing one. on top of what you started with. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, but I'm assuming, care. yeah, I mean, yeah. that way you can then go ahead and like spend a bunch of might to kill the guy to make yeah. sure he's dead. Yeah. I um, think... No, One interesting disadvantage of Heroic Challenge, and we did this, was you can actually block off the guy who got challenged. So, like, let's say you accept the challenge and um, from Lurts. So Lurts challenges your character, you accept it, and then you start running him away and then block off with your troops. I think by the wording, Lurts can't charge your troops. Like, he, oh boy. He, you can't get, <laughs> so you, you actually encircle it, and so you make Lurts irrelevant. Like, it's, the heroic, it's the Heroic Chicken. <laughs> I, you know, I, I can't say I've ever like parsed out that <laughs> particular rule. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty sure you can do that. Cause I, I remember we did that, Rob, in our Articon doubles. We were like mm-hmm. blocking off or something like that and making yeah. it where the combat couldn't take place. But there's no yeah. stipulation, I think, for that scenario. Like it just says they can only engage with each other. But mm-hmm. we made it where they, they couldn't. They couldn't touch each other. Mm-hmm. But they just get stuck. Yeah. It was, it was just a mess, and it should have been avoided altogether. So, so basically, you've, you've got, like, the two guys in, in the bar fight where, like, everybody's friends are going, you know, are grabbing him. They're like, hold me back! Hold me back! Yeah, well, in our case, it was two Aragorn, so it was like, no, I'm the real Aragorn! No, I'm the real Aragorn! Yeah, I, I think even if you were, like, required to make way or whatnot, you, if you just engage your troops in combat, then now you can't even meet the requirement of getting out of the way. Like, I, I have to reread it again, but I'm pretty sure you can block it. Uh, comment in the chat below if you... We probably <laughs> spent more time in that game, like, reading and rereading the actual rule of heroic challenge than we did playing the game. Let's figure out how you can and use the prize and was off the table. But well, we have now spent, I think, more time discussing this rule than will ever be spent by anyone actually implementing it. So maybe we move on. Totally fair. (laughs) Okay. uh, The next one we're going to move on to is the Depths of Moria. So I'm going to go over this real quick. Um, So the army composition is the Balrog, um, as he always is. You have a Moria Goblin Captain with what he can normally take, a Moria Shaman, uh, just the Moria Goblin Shaman. You have a Moria Black Shield Captain, a Moria Black Shield Shaman, a Moria Goblin Drum. You have a Moria Goblin Warrior with the basic upgrades. Uh, Moria Black Shield, same upgrades. Uh, Black Shield Drummer. You have uh, Moria Goblin Prowlers and a Cave Troll with its options. Um, The additional rule is a Depths of Moria Force must always include the Balrog, who is always the army's leader. Um, So we'll go into... uh, It kind of has two special rules that kind of... One turns off when the other one turns on. Uh, so one of them is called Shadow. And what Shadow does is shooting attacks that target the Balrog will only ever hit on a five or more. 
Um, so this is really, really helping the Balrog against things like siege weapons because it makes it much more difficult for him to die to siege weapons when you have to hit a five or more. Um, and the other part of this rule is and flame. So shadow turns off when and flame turns on and uh, vice versa. So once per game at the start of the shoot phase, the Balrog may select a single enemy model within three inches of its within itself and roll a d6. On a two plus, that model is immediately set ablaze. This is an active ability. After the Balrog has used this ability, it is no longer benefits from the shadow ability, like we said earlier. So basically, one version, you can make it so no shooting attacks at on a five plus, mostly for uh, siege weapons, I would be my intended purpose, my guess, or any shooting attacks in general, which is good. And then if you turn that off, then once a game, you can on a two plus set someone ablaze, uh, which is also very good. Uh, another one of his rule is the dominion of the Balrog. So friendly goblin models within six inches of the Balrog gain a plus one to their fight value. Additionally, this army will never be considered broken so long as the Balrog has six or more wounds remaining. Should the Balrog have five or fewer wounds remaining, then the army will break as normal. And if he is slain, the army will immediately count as broken. So basically, they gave him kind of a Sauron kind of rule where as long as he has six or more wounds, you'll never break. If you get to five or below, or five to one, I should say, um, you break as normal. And then if he dies, you immediately break. So it really makes you have to fight the Balrog to break this army, which is kind of cool. Um, and the drums in the deep. The effects of Moria Goblin or Moria Goblin drum sh are increase from 18 inches to battlefield wide. Additionally, so long as the drum and at least one drummer are alive, then the drum will count as a banner for the purpose of victory points in scenarios that award victory points for having a banner left alive. So basically this legion is one of those things where if you are a fan of playing as the Balrog, you are very happy. And if you're not a fan of the Balrog, you are not happy because it gives a lot of benefits to the Balrog and the drums and I'll be honest with you, if you ever plan on taking a Balrog, I don't see any reason you would never not take this Legion. Um, this is a highly competitive Legion. Yes. Like, this is very, highly. Very I mean, this, this is... Legion is bullcrap. <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I am one of those people who's a fan of the Balrog, so I'm very happy about this. Oh, God. <laughs> I... I, have, I mean, it's no secret I'm not a fan of the profile of the Balrog. I really wish it would just be written, rewritten entirely, but... And, it, you know, for anyone who hasn't heard my rant, it's summed up to just simply a fight 10, defense 10, or de whatever defense it is. I think it's like 9, and then it's it's like 10 wounds, and it just takes forever to take this thing down. And even if you do everything right, you've got a 50-50 chance of losing. And now, you got to go after him. <laughs> like, there's no ignoring him. Nothing. And you know what? I mean, this is one I would take to, like, Articon. Like, this Absolutely. Is very powerful legion on paper anyway uh i haven't mathed it out like because you have the balrog and then you have the drums which i think you really should take in this legion given yes. how they count as a banner and they're battlefield wide so battlefield wide yes. i don't know why you wouldn't take the black shield ones now yeah like just run them to the battlefield well, somewhere right? well see actually I, i'm gonna disagree with that i think you take yeah. the regular drum because you get two drummers compared to one and then not only that, but you can kind of hide them behind a train piece and you don't have to move them because they're in the back of the battlefield. So like, it, it's all about, so if they get a pot shot at the end, well, you could have two drummers instead of one. I guess I would run them with like maybe 
two other black shields. My issue is if you take like a couple cavalry or whatever, you try to go chase after the drum because mm -hmm. chances are wherever the Balrog goes, the army is huddling around him. So you send a couple cav models. Well, now if you try to run away or re-maneuver from those cav, your your banner's not disabled. Mm -hmm. And that's the only reason. But I, I think that's what you're saying is still worthy of note. I don't know, Matt, do you have a thought? I, I wonder whether... Yeah, I wonder actually where to deploy this drum and in which warband to put this drum. I think the answer is you put this in the Balrog's warband because if there's, if there's one place where you know people are not going to, are not going to go, it's going to be near the Balrog. Uh, and I think the advantage to having the Black Shield uh, drum then is you can follow the Balrog around with the yeah. drum. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that's probably the better way to play it. I've done the whole game of run the banner away, and it doesn't always work. So I think keeping it around the ball gives a smart option. Especially think, for the same points, too, and they have a higher defense as well. That's always a good thing. But that said, like, there's an argument to be made. A regular drum with some goblins around it sitting in the back somewhere on an objective is also possible. Right. right. You right. know, because if you move the drum forward, you have a risk of being shot mm -hmm. at. And then, well, unless you bought an additional upgrade for the Black Shield, um, would buy a couple black shields to keep this thing going. Yeah. Like, I just would do that. And But you can do that with the regular drum too. I mean, you can just yeah. have your regular, I mean, that's someplace to put like your, you know, your goblins with bows is just kind of sitting back around the drum. Yeah. And if he's going to send a force big enough to try and take the drum out in against the drum, then the Balrog just goes, Ooh, yummy. And yeah. You know. What's crazy about this force also is like the way I think I would play it and I'm not sure, I'm totally convinced on this, but the Balrog now has to be the target. So in order to do anything to this Legion, essentially, because, well, uh, you know, of mm -hmm. course the drums, but if you take a Black Shield Shaman and mm -hmm. shatter the target that could threaten your Balrog, you know, the uh -huh. Gilgalads or the Aragorns or whatnot, hell, maybe I might even take two. I was going to say, I think you take one captain and two shamans. Yeah, yeah, one captain, two shamans. That's literally the build I would do. And I wouldn't even care if I go first or second, because what you yeah. do is you create a ring around the Balrog. Mm -hmm. They do whatever they want, and then the Balrog's like, whip, just grab whatever <laughs> it wants. And, you know, obviously because of his height, you can see everything perfectly. And um, so... The, the, only, the only downside of that is that because you've got a 350-point centerpiece to an army that basically exists to be a horde army in the first place, once you start dropping 50 points a pop into Black Seal Shamans, you're sacrificing 10 goblins every time you do that, and you stop being a horde pretty soon. Yeah, so especially if you're taking a drum on top of that. What yeah, I mean, it also depends on points, because at, at 750, you can still you, get almost 50 goblins if you I, have... I you think know. you take this at 800, and I'll tell you, at 800 points, you can get two Black Shield Shamans, a Captain, a Drum, the Balrog, and I think it's either 46 or 47 um, Which is healthy. Goblins. It's so healthy. It, you, yeah, you have got You've only effectively got too might at that point. I mean, I guess you I don't think you need it. Shaman. I don't think you, you, need you do need the might. You okay, need well. you need four, four to six. You need it. I would not want to run this list with less than six might to fuel the Balrog because otherwise what ends up happening is some idiot charges in against the Balrog in a situation where, because the Balrog's got a huge base, he's not going to get a big heroic combat opportunity. And then that just keeps happening. Um, so you really need, you need marches to get the Balrog where you need it and you need 
you need enough. moves in order to keep him moving. And this army loses a lot of effectiveness when you don't have those little, um, you know, captain might batteries running around behind the lines to keep the Balrog losing. So uh, moving. is your argument you don't you wouldn't bring a, a Moria Shaman at all? I, well, I don't know. I'd have not, to not really, a Moria Shaman. Black Black Shaman, Shaman sorry. A Black Shaman. I, I, definitely would to, not. I have to really think one. about it. I don't think I would bring more than one because I think once you throw a hundred points into that, that's you, you, the the opportunity cost in both might and goblins is really high. Now, one one model I really want to point out in this uh, army is the Prowlers, because yeah. with the Balrogs, I think you take 12 Prowlers in this force, and the reason I say that is because the, um, the Balrog affects six inches both sides. So that means your Prowlers go up to fight four when they're alongside mm -hmm. the Balrog. So then you have a, front, a fight four front line that has throwing weapons at... Um, you know, they have the plus one, of course. And then you still get the banner effect for the spears behind with the drum. So you still effectively have two dice to try to win the fight, but then you also get the plus one with the prowlers at fight four. So I, I agree with the general premise. I think fight four prowlers uh, get fight four into the list. I don't know if I'd put them in the front line because they're, they're really squishy. And they also have backstabber, don't they? So like, yeah, they have backstabber, yeah. And the trapped fights where they add the fight and then they're getting like plus two to wound so you can mess things up. So you try just, to use them as like a flank kind of a thing and then get behind mm -hmm. and still within six inches kind of a thing. Just out of curiosity, so they're one of those, on their profile it says they have, I think it's what, a two-handed axe or something like that. And then they have throwing daggers. Um, I remember this discussion when it applied to the Grim Hammers last time about whether you could use the throwing dagger as an alternative to the two-handed axe. if You wanted to not get the minus one penalty. And I think the answer was that you could because... Even if it's a throwing dagger, it is still a dagger, and you can still stab somebody with it. Ooh, I'd want a ruling on that. That's... So what I remember about this is somebody asked this question, and I gave the answer, look, unless – well, actually, this may have been different because this was where the – this was back in the days when you looked at the figure to figure out what it was mm -hmm. armed with, and they were yeah. in the, the – um, the, whatever those guys were called, the Grim Hammers were kind of festooned with axes. So you couldn't tell like, you know, is this the throwing axe or is this the non-throwing axe? Right. Um, but they are classified so, as ranged weapons. They are. To my knowledge, yeah, so maybe you cannot use a so maybe ranged that's the weapon. You can't use it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, even I don't if think you can't use it. But it is also a dagger, right? And I mean, dagger yeah, but it's is a something... you could You could call it a sword. If it, it, like, as soon as it's classified as a ranged weapon, it doesn't matter. It's it's a ranged weapon, yeah. so it can't be so, used in the lake. So I guess that's right. It's like a throwing spear, right? You can't use a throwing spear as a spear. So okay. Yeah. So. Either way, though, I mean, you're likely to outnumber, and so you're going to have multiple dice in the fight plus the battlefield wild reroll. So even if you have to use two hander, he's really just just there to add the fight four and then kill the target, right? And exactly, and that's and so I do agree with the assessment on the prowlers. Um, I think so. Okay. Go ahead. No, I. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, I guess if you're starting to fill out with prowlers, you probably don't want to do the goblin shaming trick, or maybe as Matt said, just do one. Um, yeah, I think you pick uh, one one I, gimmick I, or another. I think you 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 play a couple of games with it, see what feels best, and then see how you go from there. So you, maybe you try a game with uh, two captains and a shaman, or just all mm -hmm. the captains or two shamans, and you know you know cut, try it out and see how it goes, and then 
go from there because the, we're only really going to know about this unless we try it out. But I don't know about you guys. I think this is an 800 point force rather than anything lower. You could swing it for seven. You could go, you could definitely swing this for seven. The argument really is could you do it at six? That would be interesting. I've wondered about that. That's, um, and that's I, I have to run the numbers to see if you could do it at six. Yeah. I think so. I definitely think it can go blowy. One one other experience from somebody who has experience playing with the Balrog is I I would be wary of surrounding the the Balrog with um, guys that get that minus one on the dual roll because the the classic thing that always seems to happen with the Balrog is he, somebody charges you with one guy and you're there, they're trying to get the heroic combat and that one guy shields and he rolls a six Mm-hmm. And the Balrog rolls a four, three, two, one. Mm-hmm. And then he stopped. And so I always found I was all, if I wanted the Balrog to keep moving, I needed two or three goblins to jump into that combat to make sure that the, the Balrog, not just activate the banner, but just give more, him more dice, more dice. Yeah. And, um, and as soon as you start throwing in guys that get a minus one on the dual roll, you lose that benefit. Cause a lot of the fights you're going to be having around the Balrog are going to be the Balrog against one guy that's shielding. And you're trying to get your heroic combat off, so you need to roll the six, um, and uh, uh, that's why you cut. You just you just want more guys rolling more dice. You don't care whether you're going to kill them or not. You just want the more dice. Ironically, in that situation, the shatter shaman is also helpful to make sure they can't roll a six, right? Even if you're using yeah. it as a cheeky move against a warrior that you just need to combat off of. And if you're shattering a cheeky warrior, there's oh, just one warrior. That's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's a win for the warrior. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, but I still got my shield. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In so, any case, um, the I flame actually, rule. We should discuss that before we move on. By the way. Yeah. I'm, Okay, discuss the flame rule, and then I'd love to give some general thoughts, because I actually think this Legion's bad for the game. So, go ahead. Um, okay. Well, the flame rule, I would just definitely cast it on mounted model. That's really all i got to say about it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah you, agree. You, you, Moving you on. Stay in shadow. <laughs> you stay in shadow. Once you have that, then you move to flame. That's yeah, it. It's obvious how you would use that gimmick, so. Yeah, yeah and, and don't bother using it on somebody that's defense eight or above. Which, by the way, how does the ball become hard to hit? Like, literally, it's a <laughs> massive... <laughs> giant like i get it a shadow cloud but i'd be like uh, shoot at the center of that cloud i guess I don't it's know, not that it, big it's only like twice as big as gandalf i mean just look at the figures put them next to each other okay maybe maybe i've overestimated the size he's big in my mind mm-hmm. right. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead rob with yeah, your rant. so i um i hate this legion and i will not be shy about that i mean thematically absolutely it's a big part of the movie it should exist but We've essentially got a Legion that is borderline unbeatable on scenarios, right? Because you are never getting leader points, you're never getting breaking points, you're never getting banner points, and you're still facing a horde of 50 plus models for objective games. So like, what do you do against this Legion? You, I, I would say you probably take the, the Siege of Helm's Deep one with the double ballista that are more accurate and get a bunch of rerolls. Yeah. Um, but even then, he's only hit on a five, and then every tournament is just the Balrog versus two Ballistas, and that's just horrible, right? Like, no one's going to have fun in that environment. So I, un- I, I appreciate the premise of this Legion, but I just think it's, I think it's awful. I hate this Legion. Hey, this Legion is a good answer to the Rangers of Athelion list. It, it definitely is. I mean, the I mean Rangers which is why I was wondering whether higher, you... So. Yeah, I was just wondering why, whether you could put this together at 600 points, just as like a... I think to Rob's conversation where he talks about it's bad for the game, I do think this 
on paper, keep in mind, you know, obviously we assume Jay has play tested this and the, you know, his team, you know, this is, we're looking at it on paper. So I do always encourage people to play the Legion, see how it goes in tournament play and actually experience, you know, but on paper, I do agree with Rob and the fact that it is so much points denial in a horde army. And that's, that's key. Like if this was right. the Balrog and three of his friends, then this would be beatable. Yeah, if but, it was a Balrog and three cave trolls, okay, right? Yeah, but it's it's a it's a horde. Which, by the way, uh, never take the cave troll. Yeah, no. But, right. <laughs> but um, well, and, but, and on top of that, you also have access to the most busted spell in the game in Shatter. So even heroes, to your point, that could theoretically have yeah, yeah. you know the juice to take on the Balrog, you just have two like gibbering poops. Yeah. Goblins destroy their primary armament, and then it's like, okay, game over, right? Yeah, this, and you can be real reckless with this legion. I mean, not too reckless, but you can definitely be reckless because before, where you you would have to be conservative in how you fight because you're gonna you can break and lose points for that. Not lose. I mean, I've seen it in Baradur, and that that's obviously where this gets compared. Now, just to throw this out there before we move on, is I like Baradur because Sauron is a fight nine, five wound, defense eight. Maybe ten. 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 Uh, he might be ten, but he's five Isn't wounds. He six wounds? Yeah. No, he's five he's, wounds. He's five wounds. Ten. He's five wounds, and only you have to get him down to two in order to, to allow him to break. Yeah. That is a much more reasonable expectation. Mm. <laughs> like a far more reasonable. Even if he is defense, then it's far more reasonable expectation because it's only five wounds, and you can heroic strike, and he has to match you sometimes, depending what you're thrown at him, and he's only got three might. Mm-hmm. He's got six will which he's using some of it to cast spells, which means it's going to burn down. This thing has resistant to magic 10 will. Yeah. It's absurd. It is an absurd profile. (laughs) Well, and that's, and that's the problem is, is that the problem with the Balrog is, is that even at your best, it's a 50, 50. And I feel like this Legion is an extension of that to the whole game where you could do everything right and still lose just because you can't do anything, right? And I don't think that games where you go into it thinking, I literally have no interaction with this army at all are fun to play with or against. So and, and, and even we got to see it though, for sure. But I absolutely agree with you, Devin, that, you know, I'm just looking at it on paper. This is theoretical. Everyone go play it and try it out and then find out that we're right and put it away. But so be careful because if you, if you complain about it, it might go the route of the Athelian Legion yeah, and get like another ball roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the dwellers get a buff and they get included. Yeah. Free dweller. <laughs> Everyone hates this Legion. What should I do? Add more rangers. So, <laughs> the problem with the, 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 the Balrog and Balrog centered lists have always had has been against um, mobility, like Maelstrom type and objective type games, uh, scenarios. Because the Balrog can only be in one place, and wherever the Balrog isn't, the army gets run over. Uh, and keep in mind that there are now a lot more scenarios out there where mobility and being able to go from place to place on the battlefield from objective to objective is important. And this army wants to huddle. Yeah, this army still is, I mean, this army still is not good at that. So I, I am not convinced that in the context of a kind of random scenario tournament that this list is a world beater. This, this list, I think, is, you know, what's going to be interesting is whether this list is more like, um, 
you know, more like the Rangers of Affiliate, more like Rangers of Affiliate and in Goblin Town, where it has enough advantages in enough scenarios that it uh, it becomes kind of like a, a go-to competitive plus. I think it's gonna be like Army. Lake Town kind of a thing, where like Lake Town's just a, like a lot of people take Lake Town kind of a thing. Lake Town has a lot of advantages over this. I mean, the access to well, everything's and, uh, different, but I'm, yeah, I'm, just, a, yeah, I'm yeah. just saying like that. Where like when you think of a competitive force, you think of Lake Town. Like I think you're yep. gonna look at this force and you go, "This is a competitive force," kind of a thing. I think um, all of us definitely agree it's competitive, but I do agree mm-hmm. with Matt's assessment and Rob's in combination. This is a lot of points to Nile, but also this army may not function in in some mobility scenarios and so i can see it falling apart especially maelstrom mm-hmm. that is a hard weakness because mm-hmm. of the the, the balrog zero might can't control where it goes mm-hmm. and then i mean assuming you pick a shaman i mean if you don't then you're spending might trying to get around the balrog so but even in maelstrom um you've got the drum and 18 goblins or 16 goblins 17 depending with him you've got a captain that can maelstrom with him and so okay like 12 of your dudes don't show up where they need to be uh and the drum affects the whole battlefield anyway and so you're still denying all of the secondaries right yeah but but even but then in a maelstrom scenario if it's if it's you know heirlooms of ages past you've got to be go lumbering off after the heirloom um and sure and you know where, you know, the drum can, if you've got the black shield drum, the drum can follow them. If you don't have the black shield drum, it can't. Um, and the same thing with whole ground, you got to lumber the Balrog toward the center of the board and maybe the drum doesn't get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, do, do you have the Balrog? If somebody comes on near the Balrog and engages it near the edge, do you have the, the Balrog, you know, kind of fight that fight and never get to the center of the board? Yeah. Um, so, you know, so I think there's some counterplay to this Legion and I'm interested that, that that's what I mean. I think we'll see it in tournaments. There has been outcries before against things that looked broken on paper and mm-hmm. weren't. And then there were things that didn't look broken on paper and were. <laughs> so it's, and then it there's the Rangers of Athelion, which looked broken on paper and are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so maybe this is another one. Um, I, I definitely had the same knee jerk reaction as Rob though, but I do have to admit my bias. I already hate the Balrog <laughs> profile. I'll, I'll give you that. I also hate the Balrog just as much as you do, so I wasn't going to like this anyway. Yeah, enhancing him in any way. We're going to move on to the next army, which is going to be the Black Riders, so I'll move over to Devin for that. Alright, so this Legion is probably one of the most interesting in my mind, despite the fact that I wouldn't play it competitively maybe i don't know <laughs> so we'll see um it, it, this is an easy one it's the witch king of angmar on a horse and he can't take anything but a morgul blade interesting note uh the morgul blade is a discount it's uh five points instead of ten so if you weren't always taking it before you definitely should now and then you have a ring wraith on horse and uh that's it <laughs> so the legion is Really obvious, it wants you to take just the nine riders and go over Middle-earth slaughtering armies with them, which is very thematic. <laughs> but, um, no, but I, the special rules here, uh, they, it always has to include the Witch King as the army leader. Uh, then you have the Witch King of Angmar now counts as a hero of legend, uh, probably for the standfast rule, uh, most likely. And um, the the it's a maximum of nine models that can be in the Legion, which makes sense. 
So they have a couple abilities that make this playable, and in my mind, one of the more interesting legions in this book. Uh, uh, Terror in the Night, a model in range of between four or six models from this force with the Harpinger of Evil special rules suffers an additional minus one to their courage value. A model in range between seven and nine models with this force uh, with the Harpinger of Evil special rules suffers an additional minus two to this courage. So only interesting thing I know of there, I'll, we'll get into the stacking of minus courage because that's pretty powerful, especially mm -hmm. against things like L's. Um, but it is also interesting, it, you, it keeps mentioning with Harpinger of Evil. Everything here has Harpinger of Evil, so I imagine that's a call out to Ploy. Um, then the Screech of the Nazgul, each Ringwraith can, once per game, cast a channeled version of the transfixed magical power without declaring a thorough channeling. Uh, so interesting thing about that is you don't know what's coming. You don't have to declare it in the move phase. So uh, this magical power is automatically uh, cast, counting as a roll of a six, and no will points are expended. The target uh, can make a resist test as normal. Uh, make sure to note which Ringwraith models have used this ability as they can only use this once per game. That is huge. And we'll get into that as well. Uh, so uh, the will of Sauron. Friendly Ringwraith models do not lose a will point for being in combat. That's perfect. Makes this playable. Note, however, it doesn't remove the fact that they die when reduced to zero will. So things like that will still kill you. Um, mm. And then hunt, uh, the ring bearer at the start of the fight phase before any other heroic actions are declared. If it is possible for a friendly ring wraith model to charge an enemy uh, model with the one ring following a successful heroic combat, the ring wraith model may declare a heroic combat without spending might. Only one ring wraith can declare a free heroic combat in this way per turn. So that's interesting. And we'll talk about that as well. Uh, if successful, the ring wraith that declared the hurricane combat must charge the enemy model with the one ring, uh, though any other models may, uh, that were part of the hurricane combat can act as normal. The player who declared this free hurricane combat automatically wins the roll-off to see which hurricane combat goes first, if applicable, uh, though they must select this free hurricane combat before any others. So that's it. There, there's essentially four special rules just with a lot of text. Initial thoughts. This legion is it's interesting that they didn't give the ring race two attacks. If you give it two attacks, then I would have said this could be competitive. With one attack, you those horses are now critical. Um, mm -hmm. it, the, the stacking of Harpinger is mitigated by two forces in this game. Uh, number one is anything with hordes and low courage. Goblin Town, Mordor, Moria, they already don't care because they were kind of that you can only reduce them to a minimum of one. So Harbinger already reduced them from two to one anyway. Mm -hmm. So they just use the hordes to keep going. So hordes will hurt this army heavily because that Harbinger stacking has like no effect. Uh, the other thing that has no effect are bodyguarded armies. And I say that very specifically. Uh, if you have a fearless bubble like Dane or the Balrog or anything like that, let's ignore the Balrog, anything else other than a Balrog, you can just black tart it to death and you can deny that bonus. So I think there's counterplay there. Bodyguarded forces, however, can take that hero you're bodyguarding and just kind of move them away. And the army becomes a serious threat because even a casual warrior of Gondor or anything is a threat to these ring raves, especially if they can dehorse them. So once you've dehorsed the ring raves, that's that's game over in my mind. And it's just a guy in a cloak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's why I found it interesting they didn't give them two attacks so that way the ring raves could. Uh, whittled down the army a little bit before uh, all the combats got like really gruesome. Um, 
so basically, as far as Screech and the Nazgul, that's massive. Um, it, it's basically a hero shutdown. Uh, I, I don't think heroes are going to be doing very much of anything. The most threatening thing to this army are the troops. The heroes are going to be relegated to like near nothing because that's in combination. Like, like you can cast these magical powers in combination to your nine race firing a barrage of spells all in a single turn. So going first, if you're already stuck in combat, is going to be huge. Uh, you definitely want to re-kit out how you do your ring rays. That's my initial thoughts. What do you guys think? So is there any point to giving any extra will to these ring rays, or are you just spending points on might and fate? I think you go might and fate. fate. I think you just yeah, go might and fate. I, th I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the... You give them will if you're pretty much out of might and fate to give. Yeah, that's right. You know, if you've got like five or ten points left over or whatever, and you, then you're right. Yeah, you you're already starting. The last thing that you spend points on. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't see any point in really. I, I think seven will be plenty. When you're casting this much magic, there is no hero in the game that can take this much abuse. Yeah. So uh, I don't know about you guys, um, and I know that obviously there's no no one's tested this before, um, but just based on like make looking at like obviously how customizable the, the forces i think this works much better at lower points than it does higher points and i mean more like 500 and below kind of a thing um because i think you can get the witch king in either four or five ring rates on horse at around 500 and then if you want to go lower obviously you can decrease that but at, you know if you add six of them then you know you get the minus two and then you know you, you're much more likely to kill things with you know what, what would that end up being uh, 13 might at 500 points plus the minus two courage and the transfixes. I think this is much better at lower points than higher points. And I think at lower points, I'm not saying you do extremely well with it, but I definitely think you have much more of a chance of, to actually win things at lower points with this army. So the interesting thing about lower points is that you're also dealing with weaker heroes, mm -hmm. which means that anything bodyguarding, giving theros and all that are dropping. And uh, so like dropping the stats and then you could literally just black dart a hero off the field and remove the the bodyguard and all that so i do think that's another interesting point about lower point tournaments i i, th I think i think for me personally this army does really well at 500 to 400 until you run into rangers of Athelion. yes yeah that's, that's <laughs> the real vulnerability of this army is is not just not just the hordes but the shooting hordes of shooting yeah because um, then you start dropping then you start dropping the horses and uh um and the wings fall off of this thing i almost wish that they gave the ring wraiths like horse lord or something so that you had some recourse again yeah. shooting yeah. now um, do you guys do you guys feel and i know it's a little bit different obviously the kind of break the rules but just for this specific army, do you wish that if you, you could go below Courage 0, so like negative 1 or negative 2 kind of a thing? So if you were Courage 2, you could go to negative 1, and so you need a 12 to get in? You you can risk creating a negative play experience uh, by making these guys too powerful. Yeah, eventually, you're playing a game where you're not moving anything, and your opponent, which is the Ring Wraith player, just is doing whatever they want. Like The, the minimum of 1 is a weakness to this army, but in the general game, or are you just saying this is... I'm just trying to, and I get what you're saying, and that makes sense. So, yeah. I'm trying to, like what you mentioned with Horde, so if you have Goblin Town, you know, they already didn't care, but if they're at minus one, then they, they really do start to care a little bit, because then, you know, I think, if I'm correct, they would need a 12 to get in. 
if or, if you actually stacked all three minus ones, yeah, Goblin Town, they would mm-hmm. be at negative one, one yeah, like one zero negative one, mm-hmm. uh, which is a weird stat. Yeah. Would it need twelve? Uh, yeah, I guess you need a ten. So actually, you need eleven or higher. Yeah. Um, you, you might as well just say they can't even charge. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, you need a, if if they're at zero courage, you need a ten. This just goes yeah. to eleven instead of ten. Well, you already have that many models. So it's just a, town. Yeah, you you already yeah. have. So I mean, it just makes it that little bit much more difficult for some, an army like that. I have to imagine they play tested this, and it's possible they may have thought of that. I don't want to think about it too much in the theoretical because yeah. it doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. So it, you know, we're here right now, um, yeah. and hordes are obviously going to be a problem for this army. I mean, how do you beat a horde with this army? Oh, God. Well, I, well yeah, I, I was just, I was just going to say that, I mean, this I think is, becomes one of the premier anti all hero list. Oh, yes. this yes. army yes. slaughters yes. heroes. Yes. <laughs> I, they, they, they do not care about the all, uh, what's it called? The all elven heroes list. Kind the, of thing. the only thing yeah. that would cause problems for them is if they lose heroic moves because if they're all stuck in combat and you didn't leave race in reserve, then the, you can get a heroic move and then take it tagged, and now you can't cast any magical spells. Uh, and almost none of the guys have to strike. So an all-hero force could destroy this if they get stuck in. That being said... I, I mean, I think you're always going to end up with more figures than the all-hero force is going to have. Yeah. So you just you make sure you kind of separate enough so that mm-hmm. you the be, the worst they could do is tag you know tag you in one on ones and then you've got you know two three four other ring rays that are always going to be out um, that uh, can then you know come in and do your spell bumper. You know, I, think- I, I yeah I. I I think all hero lists go down to this pretty fast. I think this is one of those like feeling like almost an auto loss or auto win type of armies, depending on your matchup and scenario. Well, um, this is a very rock paper scissors army, right? With the yeah. exception yeah. of the breaking of the fellowship list, yeah. which I think would give this a run for its money. Oh no, this <laughs> legion would be destroyed by the breaking of the fellowship. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. the breaking Honestly, fellowship any army with list. fortify spirit really hurts this legion because once you yeah. fortify your heroes, it's like okay. Yeah. It's well, like, yeah. I mean, but in, in most cases, other than breaking of the fellowship, you can you can try if you can figure out a way to kill like Galadriel, Lady of Light, and then all the or get her down to zero will, and then all yeah. the fortify spirits go away. You got to kill her. Yeah. yeah. So the breaking yeah. of fellowship never lose it. Yes, exactly. And so yeah, that's. <laughs> You, it, the thing is, if there's a target that the ring race can go after to shut off some kind of ability, they got a chance. Yeah. And that's why I say that bodyguard rule is annoying because bodyguard, you can move them further away. But uh, this is a legion that requires an expert player. Uh, that's a sad fact mm-hmm. about it. You would love to like give this to your wife and say, like, here's a fun thematic legion <laughs> for you. But yeah. No way. yeah, no. <laughs> Clearly, this... Devin's not married. No, right. <laughs> I can say that. I can say that publicly on the channel without being <laughs> in trouble later. <laughs> but yeah, I think this is definitely like... Um, this, is, this is definitely a list that will be really fun to play. I love uh, yeah. the thematic narrative of this list, so I will definitely play it for fun. Yep. Yeah. Okay, uh, we're going to move on to the next one, which or the last one, I should say, which is the Kirith Ungle, so I'll move that over to Matt. 
All right, so Kirathungal. So this obviously simulates the, the Kirathungal fortress and the orcs and the Urukai that, that lurk therein. And of course, they get a special friend because we couldn't have a Kirathungal list without that special friend. So the army composition is uh, Shagrat, captain of Kirathungal, with all of his options. Gorbag, orc captain, with all of his options. So they are the two guys from the brawl. And their special friend, Shelob, who gets a bunch of special rules that we'll talk about in a moment. And with them can come Mordor Urukai captains, orc shamans, orc captains, orc warriors, and Mordor Urukai. So additional special rules, you must always include Shagrat and Gorbag. Shagrat is the, always the army's leader. Only orc hero models can lead orc warriors. Only Urukai hero models can lead Urukai warriors. Special rules, animosity. Uh, friendly orc models get a bonus of plus one to wound in a fight phase in which they're involved in the same fight as a friendly Urukai model. Friendly Urukai models gain a bonus of plus one to wound in a fight phase if they're involved in the same fight as a friendly orc model. I don't think it says this specifically as it does in the Uglooks, uh, the Ugluk Legion special rule, but I'm assuming that that only means if you're actually engaged uh, in model-to-model contact, as opposed to if you have an orc with a spear backing up an Urukai. Yeah, you're not in combat. Mm-hmm. Wait, does it say in the same fight? Uh, involved it. in the it same say... fight as a friendly Urukai. But spears never count like... as being involved in the fight. So it wouldn't work on... Whoa. Well, spears don't count as being in combat. Can, can somebody not... take a look it, it, yeah, I don't have, have the rule book on because I know to be in combat, yeah, you have to be in base space, but to be in the fight, if right, you so are let's... in the fight, because a banner affects anyone in the fight, and spears can re-roll that. All right, so we're going to put a pin in this and come back mm-hmm. to it, because I want to, I'll, I'll go, I'm using the electronic version here, so I'll need to go off of this to take a look at Gondor at War, but let me read through the rest of the rules, and then I'll go and research that. So mm-hmm. next special rule is Rivals for Power. Keep track of how many models Gorbag and Shagrat have each killed. If at any point one of them has fewer kills than the other, that model will may re-roll a single D6 when making a dual roll. And then we get to the fun rule. She hungers for sweeter meats. She lab ad- adds one to her attack characteristic when involved in a fight with an enemy man, elf, dwarf, or hobbit. So when Shelob is fighting good stuff, she, get, she goes from one attack to two attacks, or three attacks on the charge, which makes her a whole lot scarier. Guess if that were not, not enough, tasty. she is all, yeah, I guess, I guess so. She is always hungry at the start of the move phase. So long as she is not engaged in the fight, she love can choose to kill and remove a friendly model within one inches, inch of her from the board. If she does so, she love can re-roll any number of dice when making a dual roll. So this turns her into a even scarier model when she uses this. So obviously, even though Shagrat and Gorbag are the ones that you have to take in this list, Shelob is the centerpiece of the list, and you are never going to be taking this list without her because this list is really all about her, even though she's not in the name. So why don't you guys discuss, and I'm going to go research this animosity special This is and see what I can learn. This is by far my favorite of the legions, and I'm really excited about pretty much every rule that there is. Now, obviously, Matt's looking into the, the plus ones. If the plus ones apply, you are almost every time you're taking Spears Bank Rank, 
Spears back rink and Mortal Urukai in the front. And both models are going to get plus one to wound every time. Um, I almost don't even want to discuss it because that's so gross. <laughs> that's so gross. And Mortal I'm like, Urukai. unless it actually is worded that way. Mortal Urukai, strength four, fight four, plus one to wound. I mean, that's God, pretty. That's so and then, to be fair, you have an orc spear support behind Shagrat and then Urukai. Oh, Gorbag wouldn't get anyone. Yeah, well, cool. I mean, you could put him in a fight with another. Yeah, with another Uruk. Yeah, but, yeah, and then and then he goes. And, and the great thing, and one thing we got to keep in mind, I think, and, and this isn't going to be the case all the time, of course, but most of the time, I think most people would expect Shagrat to have more kills. Yeah. So if Gorbag can get into a fight with um, multiple models, multiple models, he's fight five, three attacks, and he rerolls um, a dice automatically most of the time because he's probably going to be less kills. Than Shagrat. So essentially, if you can get Gorbag in the right positions, Gorbag's going to be very good at killing things as well as Shagrat. And Shagrat, I mean, Shagrat's always been one of those models where he's just a really, really solid profile when you look at him. I mean, the ability to get might back if you kill um, heroes, uh, knock people down at all times. You, you never lose the ability to knock people down if you charge. He's a very solid hero, and with, with him having a three-three-three stat line at defense seven-two, I mean, I mean, she loves. I love this list. What do you guys think? Wait, just so I could jump in, I went back to look at Rohan at War, and the animosity rule is exactly the same as the one that's in the Uglux uh, Scouts list. So I think even though the little blurb in the desires notes isn't there. I think we have to assume that it does apply. And the only thing that you can is when you're in base to base contacts. So there's a do blurb. Not give a plus one to one. So it clarifies that in Rohan and war is what you're saying. It clarifies that in Rohan and war, but it clarifies it in the designers notes. Gotcha. Okay. Um, that clarification does not appear in the designers notes here, but I think since the rule is worded exactly identically the to the one in the ugly, list that we have to assume that that same designer's note applies. So it probably will be an FAQ, but until then... Until then. Spear sports <laughs> <can> <laughs> <apply>. <laughs> it, this is the same problem with Merkwood Rangers, right? Where, like, based on the wording, they can't actually count spear supports as being in the fight for extra attacks, because they clarified that, right? Yeah. Was that worded the same way? I, actually, that's an interesting note if someone wants to look that up, too. But, I mean... Realistically, I mean, I that's probably time. right. The Uglux thing, I think, answers yeah. it. I mean, yeah. it, it is also a rule called animosity. It is word for word the same rule. Then, yeah. So. It, I mean, it's it's going to be argued as such. So we might as well not even bother looking at other examples. But So, okay. Even knowing that you have to be in combat, close combat, in order to do it, this is actually a really good lesion. I think thematically, it's already one of the most exciting ones. So I absolutely love the theme behind this. And uh, as far as power-wise... I, I actually think this is a competitive legion. Like, magic causes it a lot of problems because you only have, like, two heroes with her strike. Then you have Shelob, which she doesn't really need it. But, um, I mean, yeah, if Gorbag gets taken out, and I say Gorbag because he's a little easier to take out than Shagrat, then it kind of depowers the legion a little bit. But, I mean, other than that, I, I actually really like this legion. It's got thematic rules. It just makes Shelob a little bit more scarier. It thinks god had the shaman that's one issue with the black gate legion is it doesn't have a shaman <laughs> now no. if if shagrat were to die and he had more kills does gorbag still get that effect uh until uh well what it depends on the rooting so keep well, track if, of the amount of yeah if at any point one has fewer than just the keep other keep track of what yeah. they've killed is what you it just says. keep track yeah. of it so until gorbag like 
evens it out. builds back, it evens out. Yeah, he keeps it, as far as I'm concerned. It sounds like that, yeah. yeah. So if either one of them dies and they were lower, then the other one still gets the reroll. The other one keeps the bonus, yeah, until he catches up. Which I expect Shagrat to be higher. Yes, he should. Uh, He should. I mean, basically, I mean, other than that. Now, one question I want to ask you guys with the Mortal Urukai, because I'm already being eight points base. Do you take the shield for an extra point at defense five? Is the is the shield worth it to make them nine points, or do you just stick with kind of a? Uh, let's assume that the uh, orcs will get the plus one kind of thing. Do you just go defense four front and back, or is the defense I, I take five worth? Shield. Yeah, you, um, t- you always want to take the shield. You take the shield. Okay. Yeah, because think, otherwise um, they get shot to death. The yeah, the, yeah, the break between the break between defense four and defense five against shooting is huge. I think you can sprinkle in a few two-handed weapons to get plus two to wound from time to time, um, but generally you take shields. Plus, the shielding special rule is one of the most useful ones in the game, mm-hmm. and, and, and can be game-winning, uh, so it's nice when you can sprinkle that around. Um, interesting note that the Mortar Urukai do not have Uruk bows, which I guess maybe they're from Mortar. Now, that's consistent with the, the, the main rule book, but I just didn't even realize it until that's I read it. Good point, here. though. Yeah, if, if they had, if they did have Uruk bows, that yeah. would have been that would have made them really interesting. Um, most likely, yeah. you're going to take Shagrat, Gorbag, Shelob. Do you go with a Mortal Urukai captain and then fill them out with as many Mortal Urukai as the fourth person, or do you take the Orc captain and go Orc spears in the back? That, that's going to be dependent on points and how much you're trying to save. But I do think I, I don't have the profile, and I'm probably going to have to look it up. But I believe the Mortal Urukai captain is going to be what the fight. Five. Five. If, if it's like um, the same stats as Isengard, then I always go the Mortal Urukai captain. So you'd that, rather take the, the Mortal Urukai at nine point, a bunch of nine point um, Mortal Urukai? Because the Orc captain is very cost effective, and then the ability to take a bunch of spears in the back is always a very good thing to have as well. I'm trying to look for the Mortal Urukai captains, fight five, strength five. Oh, yeah, that's. Yeah, you take the Urukai Yeah, I mean, you take okay, the so you take. Yeah, the reason you take the orc captain is if you can put him on a warg, and there's no warg in this list. Okay. Yeah. Which I guess um, is something I should have said, is the orc captain cannot be on a warg. Yeah, actually, that's a good shout, Matt, the fact that... Because I was then wondering, like, why do we ever take orc captains, then? Yeah, we put, on, we, we put orc captains on wargs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Sheila, you guys happy with the rules? Unhappy, not happy with the rules? I'm happy with it. Yeah, I think it's awesome. And I like the way that they've rooted the sweeter meats rule, because... It just keys off of keywords, so it also works against like Easterlings and Haradrim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. So yeah. it's not it really all cut good. Off all evil armies. That's true. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, which uh, you know she really didn't care about them either. So. Black Numenorians. Dun Lendings must be really yeah. tasty, for example. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of men in yeah. the game, even the most yeah, evil right. ranks. There's a lot of men. That's a good point. Yeah, and I think. Uh, uh, a lot of people are going to look at that and maybe they forget that it's not just all good armies. There are evil men. There are evil. Yeah, because it doesn't say good. No, it does not. You are, are, you are indeed correct. With these keywords. So you're evil hobbits. You can take them out. No. <laughs> well, yeah, that hey, ruffian there, legion with evil there, hobbits. I was going to say there are evil hobbits. There are evil hobbits. You can eat them. Yep. <laughs> so, and they are yummy. I think we only don't have an evil dwarf and an evil... No, we have an evil dwarf. We have Thrain. So we just don't have an evil elf. So... You know, give us an evil elf games workshop. Do you, um, with Sheila's second rule about the uh, rerolling any number of dice, do you do that every turn or only in certain situations? Every turn she's in combat. Every turn she's in combat. Even if she doesn't get the charge? Uh, yes, I think especially if she doesn't get the charge. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you take a uh, a cheapo squad with a shaman of like six bare naked orcs, and they're literally snacks. Yeah, <laughs> you just factor that into your break limit. I mean, you wouldn't use it like literally every turn, but in turns where it matters, yeah, she just mm-hmm. they stand around her and provide food. No, but you imagine the internal conversations amongst those orcs as, as they're sitting there going, why, why are we here, guys? They didn't even bother to give us weapons. Uh, the other guys on? I don't know. I'm really confused. Did you guys also get called in for a shareholders meeting? <laughs> and then the first guy gets eaten. Oh, my God. We should run. No, we were told to stay right next to that giant spider. Uh, now, what, what was it? Um, with the... You, I'm assuming you get the banner reroll as well with that because it's kind of like that whole uh, Immerhill kind of thing where like well you can't reroll a reroll yeah under any but you can't but that that's the thing um, with dwarves right you have the king's champion who has the banner right and then Dern has an ability to reroll no no he's you rerolling with different dice the same die you can reroll <sighs> yeah. different dice if yeah. you have a special ability that allows you to reroll all your dice. Banners like Shelob has here, yeah, the banner is. Oh, I see useless. what you're saying. Gotcha. Because yeah. you reroll the same well, thing with. Um, well, actually, it says reroll any number of dice. Yeah, you can reroll all of them then. Yeah, so oh, I see what, all of them. Then the yeah, that wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't yeah, make, the, yeah, the only wouldn't make the only reason you don't want to reroll all your dice is if like you've tied with one die, mm-hmm. and you know you don't want to sacrifice that tie and reroll all of them and botch. Yeah, that makes You sense. still bring the banner, by the way. I mean, yeah, for for Shagrag, Shagrag, yeah, yeah, and right. also the turns where you don't do that rule. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's but yeah, it just when she does it, mm-hmm. you know to just move the banner somewhere else. Makes sense. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But other than that, I mean, I don't have a whole hell of a lot to say about the Legion. I think on paper, it's very strong. I think this is a competitive Legion. Like I would go into competitive tournaments with this. Um, yeah, I, I think it's great. I like it. I'm very happy with this one. Yeah, this is, this is one of the favorite. best ones in the book, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I re- I'm really happy with this. All right, so we're going to move on to the last two profiles, so I'll move it over to Rob. At, yes. Go ahead. Just curious, just so, I mean, for the audiences, maybe even curious, your favorite Legion, before we move into the two profiles, favorite Legion, mine has got to be this one. You guys can pick this one as well, but, like, I would say easily this one or the Lurts one. Or, well, I, like all five. I haven't played the Ringwraith one, but I'll say this one. Go ahead. What's up? You said what? Which one, Tim? I, I I like all five a lot. If I had yeah. to pick a favorite, technically six, but yeah, yeah, true. That's yeah. right, six. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yep. Um, if I had to pick one, I think I, I would go with. Thematically. I would go with the riders personally because they were never mm. really playable before, and, and now, now they, they have a because you could basically put together this Kirithungal list if you wanted to. That's very true. You yeah. couldn't do the riders, so I think. My favorite list in terms of um, what I'd want to play the most is the, the Kirithungal, but the, I think the best list is the Riders because it makes them playable. I'm going to vote for the um, Breaking the Fellowship. That's my favorite. I, for me, it's very close between Kirithungal and the Breaking of the Fellowship, but I think I'm also going to vote for the Breaking of the Fellowship. Oh, come on. You know you want to say Depths and Moria. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Depths of Moria is the best thing to have. I'm very happy with the Depths of Moria. I like, I like the Balrog. <laughs> I'll play it at a couple tournaments and <laughs> see how it goes because I have fears. But but again, like I think a lot of that is wrapped up in my just general hatred of the Balrog as a profile, much like Devin. So I'm definitely not completely unbiased. 
So I guess now we go into the yes. most broken yep. profiles in the game. Let's go ahead. <laughs> a bartender I, and a guy with a lamp. <laughs> I think we're about to break the meta wide open here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you, but this is really game-changing stuff. So these two uh, new profiles, uh, everybody probably knows that they exist just because they've been shown off on the various social media pages that Games Workshop has. Um, it's Barleyman Butterbur, the barman that greets the hobbits in Bree, and Harry Goatleaf, the man who absolutely loves doors. So Barleyman Butterbur and Harry Goatleaf are both minor heroes. Barleyman is a fight three, shoot four, strength three, defense four, one attack, two wound, four courage hero. He's got a one, three, two, as his might will fate. He has a cudgel. Uh, his heroic actions are resolve and defense. And he has two special rules. His first special rule is Barleman Butterbur at your service. During his move phase, if Barleman Butterbur is in base contact with a friendly hero model, he can spend a will point to use this ability. If he does roll a d6, on a five plus, the hero regains a wound lost earlier in the battle. If Barleman Butterbur uses this special rule on a hero from the Fellowship Army list, they will regain a lost wound on a four plus instead. And then his second rule is called Build the Pony. You may include Bill the Pony in the same force as Barleman, as long as he, is part, uh, he was part of Barleman's warband, even if your force doesn't include Sam. If Bill the Pony is taken as part of Barleman's warband, then he will only cost 10 points rather than 25. Additionally, Barleman may benefit from Bill the Pony's official meals and second breakfast special rule. Um, he also has a list of who he can ally with, so he's historical with the Fellowship convenient with the Shire, Rangers, Minas Tirith, Fiefdoms, Dead of Dunhera, Rohan, Wild Men of Druidon, Rivendell, Lothlorien, Halls of Thranduil, Fangorn, and the Misty Mountains, and he has impossible allies with everybody else. And then the second profile is Harry Goatleaf. Well, but, oh, but did you want to yeah. just comment on Barleman real quick? Yeah, yeah let's, sure, talk, let's talk about Barleman, who thank, thank God they made him convenient allies with the Dead of Dunharrow, because I've always wanted to include him in that list. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always wanted to see him come to the Stone of Eric and be like, pint, pint for the dead? <laughs> I, did, did you mention his heroic actions, by the way? Yes, okay. I did, and their resolve and defense. Yeah. Uh, how does that work? Um, I mean, so what's going on with the heroic resolve? Is he basically saying this rounds on the house and all of a sudden that makes everybody around him resist magic better? <laughs> I, I mean, considering that the one scene we see him, he's cowering from the ring rates behind a desk. It's <laughs> resolve to me. Yeah, and, and then the, the heroic defense, which I guess he's using that, that mug of beer that he has in his right hand to... Oh, parry with lightning fast speed every attack that comes in at him. Hey, you and know so, what? And I'm gonna I'm gonna also say to your point here, he's a fat old villager. How does he fight three and defense four? Like, does he stuff like bread rolls in his shirt to make him harder to like? Rob, Rob, we don't fat shame here. What are you doing? Come on, <laughs> come on, really? Wow. Look, the thing is, when you spend a life as a bartender, your training as a Gondor warrior is irrelevant. Yes, he needs a horse because he needs to join the Rohirrim. He's better than them. I, okay, so funny things about his profile side. It is a little bit of a bizarre profile. There's two things that I'm going to mention. Uh, number one is the Build-A-Pony rule. So a lot of people online have been saying, should you bring him to get Build-A-Pony in? I personally would argue no. I love Build-A-Pony, and I really wanted to get him in a Shire list. I'm sorry, clarification, in a Shire list. I don't know if I said that. 
Um, but I would say no. And the reason why is because you're paying 50 points and yeah, you're getting Bill, but he doesn't count as a banner uh, for purposes of scenario. He is a banner, but Will Whitfoot for 25 points does a very similar effect for a larger radius. And I get it. It's temporary. But the thing is, Barleyman isn't doing anything. Like he's got one might. Not really sure if he can use his abilities, but that five up wound thing he does is a gimmick in a Shire Force. I'm not really seeing it for 50 points as an investment. I mean, that's a lot of hobbits. Like, that's a lot of hobbits. So, and you can call it heroic resolve. Yeah, then that's Once. true. Kevin, <laughs> that's worth every point. What are you talking So, I think Barleyman was very clearly intended for a fellowship list. I think um, Bill the Pony's official meals. Uh, there's another rule he has where he can. I forgot if it works on everybody um, or just the fellowship, like where they can, is it hobbits official? Uh, you can regain a single point of might. Well, yeah, but every turn, a single member of the fellowship. So, so once again, you can't even use that rule. It's, it, this is very clearly a fellowship ally, not a Shire ally. So you can do it. It's cute, but it's not like something I think is a good idea. The is other thing, is this an attempt to correct the record from when Barlow and Betterbur, the 10th member of the Fellowship, was like edited out of the official history? <laughs> yeah, if everyone didn't know, Tolkien actually wrote it in there. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's an initial draft with Barlow and Butterbur as the 10th member of the Fellowship. <laughs> we thought nine was an odd number and we just couldn't go with that. <laughs> Guys, this is for your fantasy fellowships. I expect to see this guy in your fantasy fellowships. <laughs> so. This is who you draft first. Oh, I think man. that... This guy is clearly a super cool thing to have in the game in terms of narrative for narrative scenarios. I think that his model is outstanding. And I love the idea that he's basically like the Middle Earth equivalent of a food truck where he just <laughs> a pony with a bunch of food and any army like, you know, 20 cents a pint. Who wants a pint, right? And then yeah. on to the he, next He's army. in the middle of the battle of the Pelennor and just he's being the like guy that drives, He's the guy that drives the gut truck. That's exactly yeah. what he is. So, like, I don't have a lot to say about him competitively. I think it's a stretch to really make him worth it. I think it's yeah. worth including him in the game. I think the stat creep is hysterical, but, you know. Kevin, I want to see Barlaman Butterbur with Bill the Pony outside Nova next year as one of the food trucks. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to make I, it happen. I, I mean, I, that would be the biggest hit that you could ever possibly do is just put a pony out there with a guy serving stuff. <laughs> now, as another note, uh, this is the second thing I wanted to point out, and this is just a theory, but he's a minor hero. Mm-hmm. Why? So <laughs> I have a theory. <laughs> uh, possible allusion to maybe Bree soldiers or ruffian Bree guys or whatever oh, yeah. later on. Yeah, Maybe, maybe they couldn't make the model for it and so therefore didn't release a profile for it. Wait, wait a second here. If he's a minor, and this may be how the Wanderers of the Wild Wild works. Oh yeah, the Wanderers don't need to follow the rules for the whole um, the yeah. whole Valor thing. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because otherwise so, he couldn't. Al- he, then he couldn't he ally. Couldn't ally. The Dead of the Dead of Dunharrow list, he, as I yeah. have always wanted him. No, he. Uh, yeah, they ignore it because Tom Bombadil's an independent character, and, you know. Yep. So, but basically. It's just a thought, because both him and Harry Goatleaf are minor characters. Well, and on that point, though... Minor heroes, I mean. Um, on that Harry point, Goatleaf is also a ruffian, so it makes more sense for him. Well, it makes more Ruff- sense on him, yeah, true. Yeah. So now so, should we talk to the, the guy we are... the only guy we are less likely to put in an army? 
Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about Harry Golia. Are you ready for the true return of the king? (laughs) (laughs) So we've got Harry Goatleaf, who is a minor hero, and as I mentioned, has two crucial keywords, ruffian, so that he can be taken as a ruffian, and man, so that Shelob can eat him. (laughs) He's got uh, normal, you know, stats, uh, fight three, shoot four, strength three, defense three, which seems more appropriate. Um, One attack, two wounds, three courage, and then one might, three will, one fate. He has a dagger and a lantern. Uh, He has, the lantern is a special rule, actually which ironically is listed above the special rules section under war gear. Um, But the lantern, uh, you can use it. The area within 12 inches radius of Harry Goatleaf is illuminated as if it were daylight. Models within this area can be seen clearly unless another special rule would prevent them from doing so. So he makes it even easier to kill you in Clash by Moonlight. And then his other special rule is Gatekeeper. During the priority phase, after priority has been rolled, Harry Goatleaf may spend a point of will to use the special rule. If he does so, select one enemy infantry model within six inches in line of sight of Harry Goatleaf and roll a d6. On a three plus, the chosen model cannot move that turn, though they can still do anything else they would normally be able to do. Harry may use might to influence this role. Monster models are unaffected by this special rule. And his allies section is that he can be taken as either good or evil. If taken is good, he's historical with the fellowship, which I don't understand that either, um, because he literally only like let half of them in and didn't want to. He was like a another stand-in that Tolkien left out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he clearly is the one who scared off all the ring wraiths in Bree, so he's a crucial member of the story. Uh, he's convenient with the Rangers, Minas Tirith, Fiefdoms that have done Harrow, Rohan, Wildmen of Druidon, Rivendell, Lothlorien, Fanghorn, and the Misty Mountains. He's impossible with everyone else. If he's taken as an evil model, he counts as a hero of fortitude and can be taken as part of Sharky's rogues and also included in the Chief, uh, Chief's Ruffians Legendary Legion. Can I talk a bit about the lantern rule, which I think may be the most poorly thought through rule that Games Workshop Why can you not turn it off? Why can you not turn it off? I so, so Mary, they're shooting at us. Turn it off. I can't. <laughs> so, so just to be oh, clear, here's, here's the problem. Um, so this was intended, according to Jay Claire, to give you an advantage in the Clash by Moonlight scenario so that you could use Harry Goatleaf as a spotter where he takes his lantern up within 12 inches of the target you want to shoot at. Then you can see him. Then you can shoot him. Of course, as anybody with any military experience knows, when you're carrying a light in the middle of a dark night, you can see a little bit farther, but everyone anywhere can see you. (laughs) And that is the exact problem, is that Harry Goatleaf is going to start out initially in the middle of your army and illuminate all of it. So in the Clash (laughs) by Moonlight scenario, the first thing that's going to happen is arrows will rain down on your entire army. It's going to look like 300. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, you can't shoot back. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You can't shoot back. You cannot <laughs> shoot back. Everyone is gonna, everybody in your army is going to be desperately running away from Harry Goatleaf. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, amazing. Okay. This needs to be FAQ'd or eroded. It's like, why can you not turn? Like, when I read that rule, too, I was like, wait, you can't turn the rule off. And you know what's even better about it? It's a passive special rule, so you, so can, you can't turn it off if you get like proned or something, right? Yeah, or, exactly. There's nothing you can do to turn it off. It, so, it's, anyway, <laughs> never take Harry Goatleaf. 
Moving on. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think there's a lot to say. Again, I think the model is absolutely outstanding. I think it's cool that, you know, you can add them to a ruffian list, uh, even though you never, ever would. I think <laughs> it makes it absolutely even worse to play the legendary ruffian legion because you have to take all of the characters, right? Until, oh. And then you can start taking... Four bands, and so you would be forced to take him. But no one takes the Legion of the Ruffians anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so I, I think <laughs> if, if you wanted to, and if you wanted to make sure that you could be targeted by shooting, no matter what scenario you're playing, <laughs> he's the guy to take. You know, Absolutely. The, 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 so. the person who takes this without Legion, he's like, I want you to do better in the tournament. I want you to do better in the tournament. <laughs> he's just giving I, up. I think I now understand why he's actually um, historical with the fellowship because he's essentially like an inside man, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? working with the hobbits all along during the scouring so so i don't understand barlaman or this guy being historical with the fellowship for one major reason there was uh the fellowship i believe you you couldn't ally them historically with um what's it called uh the lothorian legion and a lot of people were upset about that well jay clarified and said well the fellowship was disbanded by the time they got to or no 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 yeah, by the time Helm's Deep happened, the Fellowship was gone. So that was just the three hunters. So a Legion will take care of that. All right, fine. Fair enough example. The Fellowship did not exist when they met these two. <laughs> mm -hmm. So this is totally inconsistent with the same logic. So I'm like, why are they historical with those groups? Harry Goatleaf has always existed, Devin. He's the Tom Bombadil we always wanted. So I, do, I also do want to say... Uh, one quick thing on his gatekeeper special rule where he can prevent one infantry model from not moving. And when I read this rule, what I immediately thought of was uh, a scene from the movie, the naked gun. Have any of you guys ever seen that movie? I may be dating mm -hmm. myself here. It's a movie. No, I've seen it. Yeah. It's a movie from the eighties. So there's a scene at the beginning where officer Nordberg played by OJ Simpson, no less, uh, is going to break in on a uh, meeting between, you know, like, two criminal organizations and he screws up going through the door, puts his foot through the door, has to spend about a minute freeing himself before he opens the door. And by the time he opens the door, everybody in the room is pointing a gun at him. And then he immediately holds up his badge and says, everybody drop your weapons. One guy does. And then it looks around sheepishly at everybody else. And that's the way I, that's what I immediately thought of when I saw this rule is where Harry Goatleaf goes to the horde of charging orcs Stop oh right God. there. One guy does. Just kind of <laughs> turn and look confused at that one guy and then proceed to run Harry Goatleaf through. And then that's the one guy that gets eaten by Shelob. To... <laughs> 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 oh. Yeah, so I think that narratively super cool, awesome model. Uh, great to have it in the game, but since this is a competitive podcast, moving on, right? Yeah. That, yeah. I, and the, if anyone ever thinks we're being negative about like profiles and whatnot, yeah, like always remember we are trying to analyze these from a competitive perspective. So that's when you see it get a lot. Yeah. Don't take it to a tournament. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So. All right. Uh, thank you for tuning in this week. Let us know in the comments section which of the le legendary legions is your favorite and what you're looking forward to most. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks, guys.